Microphone check. <clears throat> All right, listen. Whew, man, a lot to talk about. Okay, welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. This is the third time I've had this person on my podcast, and 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 I'm back on uh, I'm back on coffee the first time since June because I was told we need to be hyped up for this one. Um, please welcome to the podcast, Stella and Josh James. Thank you very much. So people for the for the yeah, if you got some liquid death. So for the listeners that are familiar with this podcast, know that I do the whole entire story of the person before they got to where they're at. But this guy, Josh, thought that thinks that his shit's kind of boring, which I don't. The listeners like that deep dive into like everything they've done. But we're gonna do it now in a faster pace because we're caffeinated and, and there's nothing deep about me. Okay, and Josh doesn't want to bore you guys, which he's not a boring <laughs> person at all. Um, I've seen all different sides of this guy. Except for anal. Um, so, to kick it right off, Josh, I know you were born in Florida. Tell us about your life. I was not born in Florida. See, perfect. That's right. There I we go. Already. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in uh, South Carolina, right outside of Myrtle Beach. Okay. And I uh, spent the first few years bouncing around the South. Um, my grandmother had a farm in South Carolina. My mom was raised on that, like a tobacco farm, and then lived wow. South Carolina, North Carolina, Mississippi, and then got to Florida, you know, when I was four or five, something like that. So not a lot of memories before Florida. So I, I look at Florida as the Jacksonville area as where I was really raised and uh, turned into this beautiful piece of shit before you. <laughs> and you have a brother, correct? Two brothers or one brother? I have one brother. His name's Caleb. He played drums and Casey Jones with me. Yep. Ooh, liquid death. Same. And uh, <laughs> and he also played drums in Evergreen Terrace for a while. Um, I have an older stepbrother, Brian, and then I have a stepsister that um, used to terrorize me as a child. Um, so how was that growing up in Florida? How was your? Fa- I mean, I know you came from really. Strict it was fucking parents. hot. Strict family too, religious family, strict. Yeah, like Christian conservatives. My mom and stepdad uh, are primarily who who raised my brother and I. Um, yeah, it was interesting. It's funny because I was talking to my mom the other day and she said to me that she always, she said something like, you know, your entire life, you're always going to have a boss. And I was like, well, that's interesting because I don't have one now. Yeah. I mean, obviously my boss is a Jewish carpenter, uh, Jesus Christ. Yes. Uh, but um, and I'm like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? And she's like, you know, whenever you're born, then I was your boss. And when she said that, I went, oh, that sums it up perfectly. Like it wasn't like a... Um, a parent-child relationship. It was like a boss-worker. It's kind of crazy relationship. Actually. Yeah, she said it out loud to you. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it was fucking wild. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so the childhood was interesting in, in that aspect. But they did teach us, you know, the positive stuff. I thought they they taught us like uh, financial responsibility and 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 things like that, and how to you know be a good worker. Um, but there was the absence of family and love. And you know, I used to live. I, for anyone who's listening, I used to live downstairs from Toby and Max was like, well, what? I don't know. Nine, 10, yeah. 11. And I remember it being like, damn, like that's a family. You know, like I didn't have, I didn't yeah. really have that thing where it's like the kids like the parents and the parents like the kid. And you know, mm-hmm. they're all hanging out and doing family stuff together. It was more like, this is the work that you need to accomplish this week. It's your boss. Yeah. And like, and if you do anything wrong, then you're going to get a switch in. You know, it's like go out there, cut the switch off the tree, and then we're gonna give you twenty licks. So Jesus. It, so it was like it was like that, but you know, it wasn't it wasn't abusive or anything like like that. And then my dad, on the other hand, um, 
he was like a he had every other he had custody of my brother and I every other weekend, um, probably until I was like twelve, and then he moved away, and then yeah. I saw him a lot a lot less. Um, but he he was the guy that was like fun dad. Yeah. So you know, like stay up late and fucking watch <laughs> you want. watch Skinamax. So and, w- w- so when they got divorced, how old were you? you said twelve. No, when they got divorced, I was uh, I think I was five. Oh shit! Okay. And my brother was one. Okay. Was it hard on you? Yeah, I think it was hard because I really liked my my dad, but looking back on it, it was because my dad was in the military, so he would go out to sea for like six months at a time. Yeah. So looking back on it, it was one of those things where um, when my dad came home from being out, it was like fun time. Yeah. And, so, and my mom had to obviously handle me and discipline me and hold it down the entire time. So it was like, ah, oh, mom's so boring. This guy's mm. fucking cool. You know yeah. what I mean? And then, you know, the older you get, you kind of get a better perspective on that. And I probably have a better understanding of what their relationship was and, yeah. and stuff like that. So it makes sense. But, uh, yeah, he, he was, he was a fun guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like, um, I'm a little guilty of that as well. When I was to go on tour and I'd come home, oh, daddy's home, let's go to the movies, let's go do this. And Moon's like, you know, I'm holding it down here, keeping shit stable, bringing him to school with the food. And I come home from tour and I feel like I missed this time. So I have to make up for like, yeah, I'm dad, let's go do fun things. And, and Moon's like, oh, so I'm the bad guy now because you're home and you want to yeah. fucking be the cool guy? I think it was definitely that. And then when my, my mom remarried, um, my stepdad and I didn't get along. And so I really, then I really wanted to go live with my dad. Mm. And, but, you know, that, that never became a reality. Yeah. And and at, at the end of the day, I think I, I am thankful that I was raised by my mom and my stepdad. Yeah. Um, I think, I think my life would have been a lot different if I would have ended up, uh, going and living with my dad, but for sure, you know, it is what it is. So what was your first exposure to punk rock and skateboarding? Cause I think you got to, in those at the same time, right? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I think I've told you this story before. No, maybe the third time. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting, like how I how I like kind of got into punk. Is my mom and I? She took me like shopping like a second hand store, and I had two bucks, and I found this shirt with a skull on it, and I didn't know what it was. It was just cool as a skull. You know, I'm in the third grade or something, and skulls are cool because I like violence and action movies <laughs> and death. And uh, and so I, I bought the shirt, and she hated it, but she she really couldn't do much about it because. It was my like first real purchase in life. Yeah. And um, uh, uh, an older kid was like, oh, you like the Misfits? And I was like, I have no clue what that is. Yeah. And then I ended up getting like a, a tape and listening to it and being like, well, this is cool. Teenagers from Mars. And, you know, like the lyrics were so wild and bizarre totally. and, and fun. But at that time, you know, this is like third third or fourth grade. I didn't really listen to music. I mean, my, my dad um, was like a, he's like a rocker. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like ACDC, like Alice Cooper, um, all that shit. And so I I think like the tapes that I, I had like a Rush tape, this Misfits tape, an REM tape, and then like Millie Vanilli and Vanilla Ice. Sick. And that was the only, and MC Hammer. Those yeah. are like the only things that I listened to, but music wasn't like a part of my life. Yeah. And then probably around sixth, 
sixth grade is whenever I started getting into like punk music and skateboarding That's young at too, the man. same time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like Thrasher magazine, like looking through there and seeing like ads for bands and, totally. then, you know, somehow getting that tape and then looking at the thanks list and seeing what bands they thanked, and then going and trying to find that tape. And, yeah. and I think at that time there, there wasn't an internet. So a lot of it was just word of mouth. So if you saw a kid at school that had a skate shirt on or a punk shirt, You'd go up to him and go, yeah, you skate, you listen to punk? <laughs> totally and then it'd be right. like, what bands do you like? I've never heard that one. And, yeah. you know, dub tapes for each other and, and all that kind of shit. So it was, um, my introduction to it was, I didn't have an older brother or, or, or sibling or anything that really like guided, you guided me. Yeah, it was kind of like my my small circle of friends. We were all just kind of teaching each other as we went along. That's cool. For sixth grade too, that's super young, man. Yeah, yeah, sixth grade. And that's that's around the same time I started playing guitar. Um, okay. That was the one like motherly thing that I feel like my mom did is she came to my brother and I one day. She's like, you fools need to learn how to play a, an, instrument. an instrument. Yeah. And we're like, this is weird because all you guys listen to is like Christian talk radio. We don't really ever play music in the house. Mm-hmm. And um, she was like, you guys play the saxophone or the keyboard? And I was like, dude. I'm not going to get my <laughs> ass kicked for playing the saxophone. Yeah. And so I, I played guitar and my, my brother ended up playing drums. And and again, that was another thing where I took lessons for a little bit in the beginning. And the guy was just teaching me how to play like twinkle, twinkle, little star. And I was like, this is so fucking lame. And, <laughs> and then I, I brought in a, a tape um, and I, I gave it to him. I was like, how do I play this? And he's like, oh, that's the power chord. Mm. It's a derivative of the bar chord, and then he's, and he, <laughs> you know, and taught me how to how to play like where eagles dare or something like that. And Sick. then I was like, "This is all I need to know." And then I never went back to lessons, and that's still all I know how to play. <laughs> and it works for you, though. Yeah, it works. It's got you really far. Yeah, yeah. Um, how were you in school? Fine. Um, I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it. I didn't try real hard, but I did try. You know, it was just kind of that, like average. Yeah. You know, I just never, to get by. Yeah. I never had like D's or F's, probably like a BC student with the occasional A for gym class or something like that. Yeah. Um, in my, my senior year, uh, this, this friend of mine and I had a contest to see who could skip school the most. And so, uh, <laughs> we were, my wife and I were talking about this the other day, like your senior year is such bullshit. It is. Like I think Max is about to be a senior he's next a, year. He's a senior now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, he's fucked because there's no school anyway. Exactly. It's just on the internet, but it's crazy, like you get senioritis, and then it's mm-hmm. just none of the teachers give a shit about what you do. You they just don't, right? It's leave. like short days, all that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I wonder why that is the last year like that. I don't. It does. It's weird because there's all this pressure, like the entire time, to be a senior. Then you I get know. there, and it's like, yeah, do whatever you want, kid. He's just bummed he can't go there, like be a senior and be do pranks. So just to, like the last year, kind of. Oh shit. man, that can't happen now. You know, we did senior pranks. Um, there was this giant tree at our school uh-huh. that was like the pride and joy of the school and so my friends and I were like let's chop it down <laughs> <laughs> which is fucking insane and so we we broke into the school in the middle of the night and we started chopping this tree which is completely fucked up now that I look back with what it. did you have electric saw or something? no like fucking like we thought that we were going to go in there with an axe and just <laughs> chop down this giant like 400 year old tree yeah and you know probably got 20 minutes into it we couldn't wow. fill our shoulders anymore and barely <laughs> made a dent into the bar, yeah, and then so it just turned into like you know my friend started, you know, defecating on things and stuff like that. Oh and God, dude, it's also crazy because we were like fucking around the football field or something. We were just kind of like fucking up the school, or just being little bastards. And all of a sudden, there were um, there were like three buildings yeah. in my school that had classrooms, and then there was like ten rows of portables. Okay, 
And all of a sudden, a light turned on in one of the portables and three male teachers mm. ran out of it and started chasing us. And then we were like, what the fuck were they doing oh, in that portable? Wow. And so they like got in their car. They, they had a car right there. They got in the car, like chased us through the football field and all this shit. And we like barely was that got nighttime? away. Yeah, it was that night. It was wow. like, yeah, it was like two in the morning. Wow. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. I you had phones back then too. Dude, it was nuts. You played sports too? I played soccer in the third grade. Um, we were the worst team on the league. We were called the Red Devils, and this girl kicked me in the ball so hard I almost threw up. And I really just played for the snacks because mm. my house we didn't my house we didn't have any good snacks at all. My house was like canned green beans, wheat bread, and two percent milk. And that's like all there ever was. And so at, if I went to soccer, there's like Capri Sun, mm. juice boxes, fucking gummy candies. All so they're strict shit. on the sugars and stuff in your house. I don't even think it was that. I think it was just like, this is what you just, this is the bare minimum that you need to, to not die. <laughs> <laughs> um, were you a heavier kid back then? Oh yeah, I was a little fat fuck. Because the picture you wear in the Misfits shirt, you are, you're a heavier kid. Yeah, I had a nice little pair of titties. <laughs> little, bee, little bee cups and did that make you want to so you stayed like that throughout school like when did you like kind of no it was i think it was the summer before seventh grade i had a growth spurt Sick. and then luckily thank god yeah because that's right whenever puberty hits that would have been rough it's it's pretty sick to have like a you and your misfit shirt in like sixth or seventh grade and you're it's pretty awesome yeah so i had the growth spurt and then skating a lot i think like sort of con- oh yeah totally. conditioning me because because at that point in life all throughout junior high it was like all my all that I cared about in life was punk music and skateboarding. Me too, man. And uh, not even girls. I didn't give a fuck about girls. Yeah, well, I knew that I had no chance. So, uh, <laughs> so like, I was like, I was the guy that was like, oh my god, like I love this girl, but like I didn't want to say anything to her, so yeah. I wouldn't ruin the friendship. And then I would just go home and listen to the Descendants and like cry in my bedroom like a little bitch. <laughs> so no confidence. With yeah, z- zero confidence. And that's also again when it goes back to like. Uh, you know, like the way that it was inside of my, my house, my mom was constantly saying stuff like, you don't need a girlfriend. You know, I remember being like 16. She'd be like, you don't need a girlfriend. You're still young enough to be playing in the dirt. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, it's not 1940. (laughs) Like, Were all your friends getting with girls at that time? Yeah. And you were like the guy in the back, like, and just... Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I tried a few times. There's a couple funny stories that I can't tell. Yeah, I'm sure. Those were, uh, yeah, I made some attempts. Yeah. They all it wasn't working out for you. Felt, no, it did not work out well for me at all. What about when you became like a skater? That you became, does that make you kind of a cool kid? Like you started hanging out with skaters and punks? Did you get more confidence? No, because like at that time, skateboarding wasn't really uh, a cool thing. You know what I mean? Like that was, that, was, was, that, was still, that was still when like literally if you go skate at the gas station, you had 15 minutes till the cops came and then you go to the grocery store and then you had 15 minutes till the cops came. You know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah. and the cops like, no, we got to take you home. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like constantly like being harassed and shit. Yeah. It was right before it became like this legitimate thing. Yeah. Um, were the bones brigade videos out already? Yeah. 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 I'm fuck. I'm not that old man. <laughs> uh, did you, uh, so you're just a street skater then? Yeah. Yeah. And there was a, there was a skate park in Jacksonville called Kona. I know and, it's famous, dude. It's yeah. fucking and so still I, there. I would go there um, wow. on the weekends because one of my friends was a um, he he had like a mini ramp in his backyard and he didn't really he didn't really fuck with street. So I would go with him on the weekends and we'd go to Kona and try to fucking shred the gnar there. But yeah, I was <laughs> I was never I was never really like a vert guy. Um, 
And that's just because most of the time it was just skating parking lots and gaps yeah. and stuff around my neighborhood. And there was this gas station that closed. Um, and the town that I grew up in is called Orange Park, Florida. It's like a suburb of Jacksonville. And um, the Chevron gas station closed. And literally, like, uh, I, I'm not exaggerating whenever I say that at that point it was like you'd go skate at a gas station for 15 minutes the cops would come then a grocery store every 15 minutes you had that be that was you. like your time time limit frame you had at a place and this gas station closed down and everyone started skating there and then the cops just didn't bother anyone so mm. so people started bringing like little like kicker ramps and like yeah. rails and shit like that and then that became like this hub um to skate for probably a couple of years which was fucking awesome and the cops didn't fuck you no more there didn't yeah unless they wow. unless like people were smoking weed or some shit like that but yeah. very rarely did the cops come fuck was a fuck with us once that place happened and then you know eventually somebody bought the bought the property entered into a new gas station so we had to get the fuck out wow um, but yeah i mean most most of my uh, teenage years was just skateboarding and and playing in bands yeah did you have a favorite skate trick like what was your best trick? Uh, varial varial flips. Okay, sick. Yeah, I, I just I like to do stuff like big and fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like big ollies, big kickflips. I can, see, I can flips, see that. Yeah, shit like that. Did you have a favorite skater? Uh, or did you want it to be like those? My like I loved like the um the whole toy machine team. Oh wow! So like Ed Templeton, Jamie Thomas, but then like older skaters would have been fucking Steve Caballero. Yeah, dude. You know what I mean? Um, you know, uh, Roddy Mullins, obviously, you know, yeah. like all, all the, the bones brigade, um, guys, but yeah, at that time that was like right whenever four one one was kind of popping off. And so you'd watch a skate video and you get someone to get the VHS and you'd watch it and be like, Oh my God, I'm going to go fucking, Oh yeah. I'll eat this gap. <laughs> and then you just eat shit. Um, so, and then, so in school you started playing music. So how old were you? You started playing, uh, I started my first band probably 13. Wow. Some, somewhere in there, like seventh grade. Yeah. We were called PMS, which stood for punk, punks making sounds, Sick. plural <laughs> sounds. I like that. Uh, never played a show. Okay. And we had a song about getting run over by an 18 wheeler. Sick. Um, and then after that, it was just like constantly just in different types of, of punk bands and, and then uh, played my first show at this place called Spike's Dog House, which is exactly how it sounds. It sounds. And, <laughs> and it was like, I remember, you know, I was probably like 13 or 14 and just like terrified because there were always like grown men. And looking back, they were probably just fucking racist skinheads or like outlaw bikers, but I just didn't know what the fuck was going Damn. on. But um, yeah, just played in a bunch of bands throughout throughout junior high and high school. And then in maybe like the band that I was in eighth grade and ninth grade started to do like, well, like in the, in the local scene. Yeah. And that was cool because that's whenever I started to explore other parts of Jacksonville and like meeting other people outside of my school. Mm. Cause again, there's no internet. So yeah. you're not meeting people like that. So it's really, you're just kind of confined to like who's in your neighborhood and like, who do you go to school with? And so then, and that was cool. Cause you get exposed to just to different, More different like, ideas, different ways of life. Yeah. It's cool. And, um, come out of your bubble. Yeah, yeah. Your parents were cool. You were playing music that early, that young, and moved around the city and stuff. Yeah, it it was interesting because even though they were they were like prison wardens, they were like, (laughs) (laughs) no, no, but like they were always super cool with me skating and 
and being in bands. Yeah. Like there was never a problem with it. They trusted you. Yeah. Other, yeah, they definitely, they definitely trusted me because they knew I wasn't going to fuck anything up too much. And, um, and you know, other than like, I think by the time, whenever I reached like 15, 16, I got a job because yeah. they, they, they had put a lot of pressure on me getting a job. A work ethic. And then when yeah. I got a job, it was like all of a sudden, just do whatever I want. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is great. That's how I got out of having to go to church. On Sundays. Yeah, you start working on Sundays. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, I worked at a, a dollar store. It's called Dollar Discount. And uh, and the boss one day was like, hey, can you work on Sunday? And I was like, oh, fuck, man. My mom's going to flip out because she's always making me go to church. And then I went home and told her. I was like, hey, I have to work on Sunday. She's like, well, that's okay. Like, that's your job. It's fucking awesome. And then I went back and I said, put me on the schedule every <laughs> goddamn Sunday. Did you hate going to church? I fucking hate it. My mom made me go to church. Yeah. Gosh, she forces to go to church. My, my altar boys. Fuck. My mom, um, she made, Sorry, mom. She made my brother and I, uh, okay, here's a story I don't think you know. She made my brother and I join the church mime team. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Mime. It's, what does that even mean? Fucking mimes. It's your mimes. Doing Christian mimes. <laughs> And what actually, technically, the first tour I technically went on was a mime tour. <laughs> no way, yeah. dude. Yeah. So you're just doing like things with your. Yep. Okay, I'm trying a little to bit picture. of this. I'm trying to picture you doing it right now. Yeah, but it would be like to like a Christian song. There's an artist called Carmen. If anybody listening knows who that is, then you're having a good chuckle right now. She was the big Christian. Uh, he. He. Okay, sorry. Uh, he was this sorry, psycho Christian guy that tried to do kind of like hip hop. And also Ooh. rock, but also spoken word is it's it's hilarious. So that's the songs you would do it to the miming. Yeah, yeah. I remember there was a there was a, a thing that I had to do at church one time. And I had a mohawk, and they painted it gold because they wanted it to look less threatening <laughs> <laughs> somehow. But yeah, my mom made Holy my shit. mom made my brother and I be mimes. Wow! So that was your first kind of performance. Perform- that was my first performance. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Holy shit. Yeah. So then we started playing music and doing other stuff. She's like, and you were, were, you, were you partying or experiencing drugs or alcohol um, back then? I mean, I've, I've, I dabbled with that a little bit. Like How old? Seventh, eighth grade. Wow, okay. I, I think I became straight edge, like maybe the summer before ninth grade. Okay. Um, but <clears throat> that was a thing where, again, you know, you're just kind of like hung, hanging out and like- yeah punk skater environment so that shit's just there totally and um what we would what my friends and i would do is we would save our lunch money and we skated with this guy named john mcintosh who was like he, we thought he was homeless but then we found out he had a trailer that just had no electricity or water which Jesus. is insane for florida yeah oh, but shit, you're right he fucking shredded okay and uh and you know he was probably in his early 20s maybe and we would give him, collectively, we would give him like $30. And we were like, okay, buy yourself a pack of cigarettes and then just buy as many Mickey's Ice as possible. <laughs> and so he would come back with like, you know, 18 Mickey's Ice. Damn. And then we would each take three and just try to chug them as fast as we could. And then you just like drunk and go to a show or something wow. or steal a pack of someone's mom's cigarettes and smoke those. And then... Um, uh, then, then one night we I was we were at uh, this trailer park at this guy's house, watching trains, <laughs> watching the movie Train Spotting. Oh shit! And everybody got up. They're like, "We're gonna go smoke weed outside." And I stayed inside with this girl, and this girl goes and grabs a canister of like the powdered lemonade, like Country Time. Yeah, I remember that. And she got a um, 
I'm like, oh, in my brain, I'm thinking like, yes, I love lemonade. <laughs> She's going to make some lemonade. And she grabs a spoon and a lighter and she scoops up some of the lemonade and she starts melting it like fucking heroin. Like crack or something. And yeah, she goes, yeah. I'm going to shoot this up. You want to? <laughs> and I was like, fuck no. What? And so I walked outside. She was your age too? She was older. Okay, okay. I mean, doesn't she matter. Is, I know, it doesn't it's still fucking. Nice, honestly, yeah. it's more ridiculous that she's older. That oh, this person's like, I'm gonna shoot up lemonade. <laughs> Country time. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so then I walked out. I walked outside the trailer, and then my my friends were smoking weed, and they had a, a like a bong made out of a coke can. And our brothers to make those. Yeah, and this guy that had one eye here and one eye here, they were, his eyes were so off. <laughs> he was like, "Hey, smoke this," and I was like, "All right." And then I smoked weed a couple of times. Didn't really. F- didn't really get anything out of it. Yeah. You know? And then uh Did yeah. you did your brother and sister do drugs? Uh my stepsister did, yeah. She was like um she was like uh, a a child from hell. Okay. She was like constantly in trouble. She she's like five or six years older than me. She she only lived with us for maybe I don't know, maybe like five years. Okay. Something like that. And um yeah, but she was you saw how it affected her for sure. I, no, it wasn't even that. Like I wasn't bummed out by that. I just remember being like, "Holy shit!" Like she gets away with so much. Mm. Like I remember, I, I came home from school one day, and her and her friend. Oh, she refused to go to school, so she just told my stepdad that she was going to um, homeschool herself, and he said, "Okay." <laughs> what? <laughs> and so I came home from school one day, and her and her friend are sitting at the kitchen table, and they had this very suspicious bowl of oatmeal, uh-huh. and they're like, "Josh, you're gonna eat the oatmeal." And I'm like, I know that I'm fat, but I don't want any fucking oatmeal. And this is very suspicious. And they're like, you're going to eat the fucking oatmeal. And then so we kind of get into a struggle. We're trying to force feed me this oatmeal. And I, I don't want it. And they sp- slam my head into the china cabinet. And then I had this like huge black eye. Jesus Christ. And then she just told everybody like, yeah, I kicked his ass. And then everyone's like, ah, you got your ass kicked by a girl. So shit like that. She would like fake being possessed. And like, you know, because I'd be like eight years old and she'd, she'd pretend to. Was she scary? Yeah. She was, she'd pretend to be possessed by a demon. And you got to remember this sounds ridiculous, but like I'm eight or nine years old and my entire life I'm told that demons are real Yeah, and that if, you know, I'm going to die and go to hell if I don't do this other stuff. Yeah. And so then I'm like, holy shit, she's fucking possessed. <laughs> and, uh, Did your parents know she treated you like that or no? Yeah. It was like this re- weird, really weird thing in my household because she was my stepdad's daughter. Okay. So he always took her side. And then, but then my, but her story would always change. And mine was always the same. And I remember one day my mom was like, Hey, I just want to let you know, like, I know that you're telling the truth. Um, but Homer, that's my stepdad. Yeah. Homer's the head of the household. So whatever he decides, that's what it is. So I would still end up getting like punished whatever, but I don't know. The last time I saw my stepsister, she was 18 getting married on horseback to the song Desperado. (laughs) Is that real? Yes. That's the last time he saw her? Yeah. And no contact with her? Talked to her ever again? She actually texted me um, Holy shit. this year. Does she have kids now and stuff too? No. You're still tight with your brother though, obviously. She's she's married and lives in North Carolina, I believe. You were tight with your brother because you guys did music together and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, I still talk, my brother, I yeah. talk to my brother a lot. So, I talked to him before I came here. So you so you started working a job in school and then before, before you graduated. So you're working and you're playing the bands. Mm-hmm. And then what was your goal when you get out of school? 
There wasn't one. Okay. Um, I think as a kid, I thought like, all right, when like I'm talking like you know an eight year old, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I guess whenever I when I grow up, um, I'll be. I'll smoke cigars, I'll be a Marine, I'll go to prison, and I'll get tattoos. And I'll explain the logic behind that. Sick dreams. I loved Arnold, still do. Mm. And he's always like a Marine and smoke cigars. So I was like, okay, that's cool. Schwarzenegger, by the way, people listening. And then I, I really liked... Um, I really liked tattoos. My stepdad used to get his car worked on at this, uh, this mechanic that actually was like... I think they were, I think they were outlaws. And okay. so like all covered in tats and like oh, yeah. porno mags hanging everywhere. <laughs> and I'm like, this is so cool. But I thought that the only place you could get tattoos was in prison. So I assumed, well, I've got to have to go to prison. Mm-hmm. Luckily, <laughs> like, luckily that, that didn't, that didn't have to happen. Um, <laughs> and luckily I didn't sign up for the Marines either, but I, I didn't think about really going to college or anything in high school. I did a culinary arts program. Oh wow. So I thought maybe I'd do that, but it's interesting because at that time I just loved playing music yeah. and, and skateboarding. And I wasn't thinking at all that there would be a way to make a living off of this, but nobody I, did. But in, yeah. by the time, right before I joined Evergreen Terrace, I was in this punk band that started to do decent in our area. Not PMS, right? No, is okay. this band called Stillmate. Okay, that's a good name. And um, and but I was the youngest guy in the band, and then they asked me to quit high school so we could go on tour. And I was like, you know what? I don't like high school that much, but I don't think that's really the smartest <laughs> thing. The, very smart. So, you did that. Yeah, yeah. So I so I ended <laughs> so I ended up you know quitting the band, and then right after that is when Evergreen Terrace started. Okay. So and again, I was the youngest guy in Evergreen Terrace. So whenever I think we put out our first record. When maybe I was still in high school, that's cool. Or or maybe it was the year that I graduated. But what year did you graduate? Uh, two thousand one. Okay. So I actually I think maybe that record came out in two. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But the point of the story is, whenever I graduated, we went on tour, and then we were like, "Oh, we can just keep doing this." Yeah. And so I didn't really think about like, what's my, you know. <laughs> What's what's my game plan? Yeah. It was just like, oh, this tour's fun. Oh, yeah. we got another tour. Oh, we got another tour. And in the beginning, for the first couple of years after high school, um, maybe for the first two years, I we would go on tour and I would just come home and get a job. And then we'd go on tour and then I'd come home and get a job. Yeah. And then probably in 2003, um, right around there, after our second record had come out, then we just went on tour. And until COVID hit, I stayed on tour. Damn, man. You know, so it just turned crazy. It dude. just, it, it, I really lucked out where it just turned into a thing yeah. that happened to do okay. And I was yeah. able to, to live off of it. Yeah. You no, know, were your parents supportive when you started hitting the road? Yeah. Again, they, again, it was one of those things. I was like, cool. You know, they were, my, my mom was always like very supportive of, um, of anything that I did artistically, Creative, yeah. which again, yeah, and creatively, which is so interesting because she's, she didn't live that type of lifestyle yeah, and never, and I never saw any interest in those things from her. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really cool. And then my, my dad, I think my dad just thought I was lying about it the entire yeah. time because when he, <laughs> when he finally would come to see a show, he would like come to the show that would be like in a cafe and a riot would break out and then someone would get thrown through a he window. Would do the craziest shows. Yeah. 
And it was it was years until he finally saw like a quote unquote professional show mm-hmm. where the band was on a <laughs> stage or something. I know he said before that you listened to striking to punk rock and like Bad Relation, just all these bands and your parents were kind of tripping on the lyrics and they check out the lyrics and yeah. rip them up and throw them in the trash and stuff. Yeah, so <clears throat> they would go through my tapes and then CDs started becoming like a popular thing. Yeah. And it would turn into this thing where all of a sudden it'd be like Room Raiders. <laughs> and, they, and they would like come in and be like, where's the music? Give me the CDs and the tapes. And then we would sit, Go through all your shit. Yeah, we would sit down in the, in the, dining, the kitchen table and... They would just sit there and read the lyrics out loud. Wow. And then be like, nope, nope, nope. Wow. And then they would make me in front of them, tear them up and throw them in a, in a garbage can. And then I was just like, fuck, because, you know, and this was this again, this is going back to like seventh, eighth, yeah. ninth, ninth grade. And, and dude, you didn't have any money then. Like I would, I would save my, I got $10 a week for lunch. And so $2 a day was for for lunch money but then i would and i so i wouldn't buy lunch and then i would be like the fucking fool at the end of the lunch line going got any change got any change got any change spare change (laughs) yeah and then i would take like 50 cents and buy like a chocolate milk and like three rolls and just (laughs) eat that but then every week i would have i would have 10 12 bucks to go up to the store and get and get a record and then they rip it up and they fucking rip it up damn and you know like Dude, I think you want it more though. You want to go out and get more shit. Oh my shit. god, the amount of times that I have bought like Stranger Than Fiction, Bad Religion, or something like that, it has to be like nine times. Damn. But but so then I started to like learn how to like hide them. Like I had a water bed, and, and so I would like Sick. hide them under the mattress of the water bed, or I'd hide them inside of a bean bag and things like that. Wow. And then I and then I then I just learned the smartest thing to do. And just to tell them, oh, it's a Christian band. Mm. And they go, oh, I'm going to a show. It's a Christian band. It's at this Christian place. Yeah. You know? But really, it's, it's no effects at the milk bar yeah. or some shit. But I forgot there was, there was a whole subculture of Christian hardcore, which is a, was a big thing. Right, yeah, then. yeah. There was, I mean, and I guess like I lucked out where there, that there was Christian punk and hardcore yeah. bands because. And there was some you actually liked too? Because, yeah, some of them, some of them I really did like. Yeah. And, but it worked out because then my. They knew that that was a real thing. Yeah. Because I would give them. So it wasn't really like it was a white lie. It wasn't like a real lie. You know what I mean? But. Oh, it was a lie. But you, but yeah. how psyched were you when you heard the name Bad Religion? Because I'm sure you were so rebellious against religion growing up in your house. So you found this band that kind of. I thought it was in seeing the Crossbuster. Fucking that crazy. was like the most wild thing. It's that so, I'd seen. so shocking back then. Especially growing up like in the South. Yeah. You know, I was like, this is fucking wild. And you remember your parents ever seeing that? Um, I didn't, I had one bad religion shirt and I, <laughs> and I told my mom something like, I was like, no, it means like, that's bad religion. You know, like, like Michael Jackson. Yeah, bad. That's, that's bad. bad. <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay. Like I get it. Like I'm hip. And, uh, oh shit. So yeah, there was, there was constant lying about like the bands that I was listening to or like where I was going or, or what I was doing. But that's what I, that's the only way that I would be able to, to enjoy it. Yeah. You know? And then, and then what was it that- So always you, lie to your parents, kids. Yeah. Except for you, Max. Um, so what was it that made you, two things, become straight edge? Was it a song? Was it a group? And you've been like that your whole life ever since you were a kid, correct? So- I, I never fell off the edge. No. I think what happened was after drinking a few times and yeah. like just experimenting with pot and shit, I was just like, you know what? Like 
I, this just isn't as fun to me as it appears to be to a majority of my friends. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm just not really into it. Like, I yeah. don't, I don't like how it tastes. I don't like how I feel. And I just like not feeling like yeah. this better. Yeah. And so, um, I was aware of the song straight edge by minor threat and out of step, but I didn't know that that was like a label of a lifestyle. Yeah. You know, and I remember, this is so strange, honestly, how I came to that conclusion was I had this um, compilation tape by this Swedish record label called Burning Heart. Yeah, no, Burning Heart, yeah. And on the back of the tape, it said, send in a dollar for a catalog of the best punk, hardcore, ska, oi, and SXE. And I was like, what the fuck is wow. SXE? And I was like, sexy? Like, <laughs> like is it totally. like, what is this? And then I asked my like my best friend growing up, Justin, I was like, yo, what is SXE? And he's like, oh, I think that's that's the way that you abbreviate straight edge. And I was like, like the song? And he's like, yeah, but it's like a thing. Mm. Like those are like the guidelines of straight edge. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's me. I'm straight edge. That's it, done. And then he's like, yeah, me too. And then, so for the longest time, he was the only, him and I were the only two straight edge people that each other knew. Yeah. And so there wasn't like this scene or anything like that. And then when I was probably, I don't know, 16 or something, um, I think it was Good Riddance. Yeah. Played a show. And I know that they're not a straight edge band, but I believe that the singer and the bass player are. And You're I'm, correct. I'm pretty sure it was Good Riddance. They refused to start their set until all the beer neon line neon light signs were turned off. Sick move. And I just remember thinking like, whoa, like this is like serious. Like serious. these guys really mean like they really don't want to support this in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And then finding bands like Earth Crisis. Yeah. Earth Crisis and Strife were the first two like more hard. Yeah, like heavy metalcore, hardcore. Screaming it's more serious too, like not that it wasn't serious, but more. Yeah, because I listened to I listened to Minor Threat and Black Flag and Dag Nasty and stuff like that, but I didn't know that was called hardcore. Okay, I just was like, that's old school punk. Yeah, you yeah, know, because yeah. again, there's no internet, and there's no older sibling. True. So no one's really teaching us. Yeah. And um, and then so we got Earth Crisis and Strife, and then like reading the lyrics, insane, like, yeah. you know, on, on destroy the machine and, and shit like that. Then yeah. it's just like, Oh fuck. Like this is a real thing. Yeah. And then through, when I joined evergreen terrace, I met the singers friends and they were like militant bandana wearing. Yeah. Like basketball, huge, Jersey, sh- basketball, yeah, sh- <laughs> shut <laughs> down, shut down Jersey bandana, <laughs> what up, Mark giant black X, yeah. you know, hands, um, like legit, like legit. That was that, that's the look. Yeah, and Syracuse, Cabal. Will you? Will you? Do you become militant more about it? Were you more like? Um, there was a brief period in in uh, in high school. My friend Brian Dubray and I thought it'd be funny to drive around, <laughs> drive around and pull it to people that were smoking cigarettes and tell we were gonna kill them if they didn't put the cigarette. Holy shit! But just you know, dumb shit. But no, it never. You don't seem like the person that would be like that. Never just really. for joking. I think yeah. I think you know, like like everybody, you kind of experiment a little bit with everything until you just kind of find find your way. But how old were you made that decision to go piece right edge? I, I think that was like the summer before ninth grade. So wow. I don't know, fifteen, fourteen, something like that. It's crazy thinking back. Not like I, I did the same thing probably when I was thirteen. Just like I said, skateboarding, listen to punk rock. You could skate to Sex Pistols and on the Bullocks. But I'm like, 
I don't know what a bollock is. A sexist is a weird name where everything was like, fuck your parents. I'm like, I actually love my mom. She yeah, raised three boys. These guys are wearing swastikas. This yeah, is weird. And yeah, then you hear minor threat. Like, oh shit, I can skate to this. And straight edge, oh shit, that's me. And I'm 13. I'm like, yeah, fuck it. That, that's how I'm going to be. Because if th- these guys, I think they're so cool and I can skate to them. So sign me up. It's crazy how we both, a lot of people have just made that commitment like that young of an age and stuck to it their whole life. Dude. Yeah, and I, th- I think for some people, like I know a lot of people who were straight edge in their you know, late teens and early 20s and then they stopped. But I think that that served them well for that time. Totally. For for me personally, even if the term straight edge didn't exist, I think that this is just how I would still live my lifestyle. I think so too. You know? Yeah, I think my brothers kind of scared me in a sense to become that they 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 exposed me to pumpkin skateboarding at the same time i saw them smoke weed and drink beer in the house and have girls over and my mom flip on them and all that so i kind of saw how it affected my brothers and i'm like yeah so that kind of helped too yeah but you didn't have that it was just the people you hung out with it's interesting that your, your sister or your brother had no influence on you really for skateboarding punk or any of that shit it was on your own yeah thing. My, i mean my cool. my older stepbrother like i never lived with him okay so i only saw him a couple of times a year he was real cool but um that was it he did give me a green jelly tape which was fucking sick, sick. Uh, <laughs> but, and then but yeah and then my stepsister i mean she hung out with this uh uh heavy metal band called animosity and they would always like beat the shit out of me and and, Great. <laughs> and like <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was like, I don't know, like 10 or something. And they were probably like 16 or something. And, um, but I always thought it was so cool that they were in a band. Yeah. And then they, but then they it was just, okay if they pounded on you because they, they were in a band. Yeah. They were like, sit on, I remember like one time I, th- I'm pretty sure I, th- I thought this was going to be the end of my life, but there was one guy in the band, his name was Phil and, um, he had a leather jacket on long black hair and he just sat on my head, uh, into the beanbag and I was just suffocating. And I just heard everyone laughing. I was like, this is it. This is how I die. Holy fuck, And then they'd let man. me out like right at the last minute. Or they'd come <laughs> over and be like real nice and be like, hey man, we're baking a cake. <laughs> this is actually great. <laughs> we're baking a cake. Uh, you got a couple eggs? I'm like, yeah, sure guys. <laughs> Go get in the eggs. And then they would just fucking egg me. <laughs> oh, fuck, man. <laughs> Holy shit. Dude, you, were you a happy kid, happy child? Or were you an angry, rebellious child? Uh, I was uh, filled with rage. If you asked my mom, she'd say I was... I was filled with rage and um and dramatic but were you was that the cheetah thought probably okay uh, you know what i mean and that was probably from you know i don't I, that's got to be some thing in the subconscious with parents and all that shit yeah but uh, yeah all right so you're out of school you graduate and one of the jobs you got your first job you mentioned a couple of times on this podcast before is that <laughs> that have never aired you went you went the other bought, podcasts are never airing you went you went and got the thrift shop clothes and wore these big outlandish like 70s bright style like grown-up clothes at your job yeah i had this job <laughs> where i was like doing inbound sales for um i like how you say sales by the way sales, sales and, uh, I, yeah my, my my brain's fucked um <clears throat> it, uh, it was for like plumbing hardware heating and air conditioning and you had to wear dress like business casual. So I thought it was funny to go shopping at the thrift store and buy like size 54 orange pants and like giant Tommy Bahamas shirts and shit <laughs> Tommy like that. Bahamas shit. And you wore that to the job. And, and yeah. also you, but you worked really, you do, did really good there, right? You got the highest sales at your Yeah, job. that's because I figured out a scam. Mm. I figured out a scam in the system and then I became like the highest salesman and people that were working there like 40 years were so fucking pissed. <laughs> This little kid wearing oversized thrift store clothes. A fucking scumbag. I'd wake up 15 minutes before I had to be at work and just fucking get there and just look like shit. <laughs> 15 minutes before? Dude, 15 minutes before. How old were you? Fucking, uh, 18, 19. 
And uh, and then my my friend Kenny, my roommate at the time, he got a job there. And uh, one day we went to go leave for lunch. <laughs> and he, <laughs> he he had like a he had I don't know some fucking car that had some dumb race tires on it or some shit. And we came out of the parking lot. He like rolled off the curb in a weird way and it popped the tire. And we we got to the we got to where we were going for lunch. And he was like, "Man, fuck this fucking tire's flat. I hate this fucking car. The tires are so goddamn expensive." I'm like, dude, why don't we just crash it? <laughs> and he's like, what? I go, Tim, you hate the car. Let's just crash it right now. We won't have to go back to work. And you'll get uh, insurance money. Let's commit insurance fraud. Totally. That's what I'm, yeah, basically, I'm yeah. telling him to do. And he's like, all right, great. So we eat our meal. And then he's like, what should we do? I go, I don't know, just crash into a pole. So we start driving around a flat tire. And he's like, all right, here's the pole. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm like, great. And then he would go to do it. And last second. Pull away. Pull away. Did this like for an hour Mm -hmm. and now I'm like, all right, we've been on lunch break for so long. We're getting fired. (laughs) And then I'm like, let's crash into our apartment. If we crash into our apartment, then there's gotta be some sort of like renter's insurance or something that we definitely didn't have. But I'm so dumb at the time that I thought that we would Yeah. drive to our apartment, realize that's a brick building, bad idea. So then we get on, uh, I 10, I 10 and 95 meet. There used to be this big drop off and we're like, we'll just drive it off into there into the trees. But you weren't scared about getting hurt. It was all about just smashing the car. Wasn't even thinking about getting hurt. Okay. We get up to like the drop off, realize that's 300 feet. We'll be dead. And so now we've been on lunch break for three hours. And I'm like, all right, we're in so much trouble when we get back. And he's like, let's just go back to work. I'm like, all right. And we're getting off um, on 95, off of I-95. There's the exit Forsyth Street. And at the time, it like kind of went up and dropped down. Yeah. And so we're coming back down and right where the street starts, there's light poles. And so we're kind of coming down the ramp and he goes, um, all right, that's it. I'm going to crash on that pole. And I go, yeah, whatever, man. And he just <laughs> fucking crashes into it. <laughs> oh, shit. And like, you know, the light pole like rips up like halfway through the engine, like windows explode, airbags come out, all Holy this shit. Fuck. I look over, Kenny's fucking dead. He's laying on the, wi- he's laying on the, uh, on the steering wheel, I'm like, holy he's shit. Dead? He's not actually okay. dead, but I thought he was Fuck, dead. Dude. And so he like comes to, he like, he like got knocked down. He like comes to and he's like, oh, he's like, are you okay? And I couldn't feel my legs. And I was like, I can't feel my legs. And I start laughing. I get out of the car and I like fall to the ground. I can't walk. And I'm dressed like a fucking clown. Oh yeah, this big. <laughs> and then, and then he had a, um, this, this had to be like, I don't know, 2002. So he had a cell phone that he didn't have service, but you could call 911. Holy shit. <laughs> and so he called 911. They came out and gave him a $250 ticket for destruction of public property. And then <laughs> we walked back to work. We we're like three blocks away. We walked back to work and we walk in and we're covered in airbag dust. Holy and like fuck. Little like scrapes and cuts. And we're like, so sorry. We're late. We got into a car accident. <laughs> and they're like, you should go home. And I'm like, are you sure? And they're like, yeah, go home. And then oh, so, shit. yeah, we went home and, but then like, I don't know, a couple minutes later I was moshing at a hate breed concert and my fucking back snapped in half and I'm pretty sure it's because of that car accident. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you had to go to the hospital for that too? No, I just went to a chiropractor for 10 years instead. And you're still going to one now. Holy fuck. <clears throat> All right. So let's get the Evergreen Terrace then. So, that, so how old are you when you joined that band? Oh, hold on. There's one other good job that I had. Let me get it, bro. I worked at this PVC. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. Talked about. I worked at this PVC plant. It was this warehouse that made PVC. We used to use on skateboard for coping. Yeah, and okay, so like ramps. we would make you know, and PVC makes also like fence posts and all this other shit. And so my first day there, 
I show up and I'm like, what do you want me to do? And the guy's like, uh, I don't know, man, just sweep. And I was like, okay. So I'm like sweeping for like <laughs> six hours. And all of a sudden, all these alarms start going off. And everyone's like screaming and running to the front. So I join in. And there's a guy getting his, there was a routing, a thing called a routing machine, a router. Oh, and it would cut holes to whatever dimensions you needed it to into the PVC pipe. And this motherfucker got his arm stuck in the machine Fuck that. and it routed out a hole in his forearm, like probably like this big, like, yeah. I don't know the length of this can. Yeah. And, uh, and then he's just going, ah, blood shooting everywhere. And, and, and like, everyone's just standing there like, Whoa. And then the machine like releases and he falls on the ground. And his like skin just like slides out, like the chunk slides out yeah. of his arm. And then the next day the ambulance comes, you know, work gets shut down. And then the next day I get there and I go up to the, the boss and he's like, all right, uh, you're a new guy, right? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, okay, I'm going to put you on the routing machine. And he goes, <laughs> you were here yesterday, right? And I go, yeah. And he goes, all right. So you know how dangerous it could be. He's like, just be real careful. And so I did that. And then a couple other like just bullshit jobs, but most of the time after 2003 was just touring because yeah. of Ever Evergreen. I thought there was one more other crazy job before. I guess all the jobs covered right there. Yeah, there was there was, there was like a research company. But did you get in trouble in school too? Yeah, I got trouble in school. Did you punch somebody or something in a fight in school or Oh, in 3rd grade? Yeah. In third, in 3rd grade, it was time for us to get our math books out of the cubby. And my friend Billy grabbed my math book. <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, Billy, give me back my math book." And he's like, no. And I was like, give me back my math book, Billy. You're going to pay the consequences. <laughs> I'm, Ar I'm Arnold. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he's like, no. And I like karate chopped the book out of his hand. And then I grabbed his fucking arm and like snapped it over my knee. And he broke his arm? Yeah, I was fucked. Holy fuck. And you're a big kid, man. You're a strong kid. I mean, I didn't realize it, but yeah, it was all so this you broke it. So what happens when you break your kid's arm? Don't you get like, don't the cops come or charges by the parents? No. Or? Um, Expelled? I ended up getting, uh, I think for three weeks, I had Fuck. to go to school, but I had to do all my work inside the principal's office. In front of them, yeah. All, yeah. all eyes on you. Yep. And then a couple Sorry. years later, I'll just tell you this story for Please. shits and giggles. A couple, this will give you an idea of um, of the area I grew up in. A couple years later, my, my friend Ravindra and I, Ravindra was 12 years old and he had a full grown beard Sick. and he was like six, two we're walking to the bathroom <laughs> and we see like what looks to us a SWAT team surround the, the art room portable. Okay. And we're like, what? And they're like, David chapel. They're like, Mr. Chapel, which is the art teacher. They're like, come out now with your hands up. And we're like, what the hell is happening? Holy shit. And it turns out Mr. Chapel was putting his dick in a box and cover like turning the lights off in the art room on, and covering man. up the windows and he'd put he put out three boxes on the table and he'd stand behind one of them which would have a hole cut out in his dick in the box and he'd have the kids come in and be like okay we're about using your imagination I want you to like put your hand in each box and feel and try to guess what it come is come on dude yeah my brother touched his dick <laughs> I wonder what happened to the guy. I wish we could look him up. Hey, he went. I know he went to jail. Like it was a big thing. Like it was on the news and stuff like that. What was this? What was his name again? Case, case we want to Google think, the case. I think it was David Chapel. We'll have to ask my brother because, wow, as my brother dude. says, the art teacher didn't molest him. He technically molested the art teacher. 
Holy, <laughs> that's fucking insane, though. Dick in a Box before they even came out. Yeah. Is the original of that. That's in the real original. Life. That's the original gnarly. Dick in a Box. What a sick piece of sh- fucking shit. Mm-hmm. Holy mm-hmm. fuck. All right, so. You had a red comb over. <sighs> so you seem like you're like the black sheep of the family, obviously. Like the rebellious one, the different one that kind of did his own thing. Yeah, I mean. I feel like that's a lot of people's stories that we're all, all of our friends are like that. We come from the same kind of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think my brother was heavily heavily influenced by me like he got into skateboarding he got into punk music and stuff like that but i think that he saw a lot of um i think that he saw like the mistakes that i made and was like okay i won't do that mm. you know so we, how much younger how, how much younger? He's, he's four years younger okay i guess i kind of feel the same way looking at my older brothers the shit they did that i didn't want to do i guess in a sense you know what i mean so mm-hmm. inspired me to stay on the, the right track yeah i, I just realized you, so he's the youngest obviously your sister's older than you yeah, stepsister, yeah. Um, all right, so now you're out of school, you're working those crazy jobs, and you're playing music, and then Evergreen Terrace is like the first kind of real official. Yeah, Evergreen Terrace kind of goes on goes on tour. Uh, Where's that name come from? It's the, so after our first practice, we went to a show, and the drummer knew someone that was that was in one of the bands playing, and he's, he talked talked them into letting us use their gear. So this is like five hours after we wrote our first two songs and wow. we get on stage and we play this show and the entire crowd's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Cause mm-hmm. at that time, like metalcore, hardcore stuff wasn't really happening in Jacksonville and there was a lot of punk stuff. And then there was like new metal shit. And, um, <clears throat> and then afterward we were like, man, that was fun. we should like make this a real band. And the bass player at the time, Josh was like, we should call it Evergreen Terrace. That's the street the Simpsons live on. Oh shit! I love the right. Simpsons. And then there was no, there was no further discussion about a band name. So it was just that because yeah. I, I don't think anybody expected that band to like do something. You know, yeah, to be like this big part of their life. To just be like every other band they've been. Yeah. It'll last for six months or a year, and then you'll be in a new one. But then this one, I, you know, I spent 12, 13 years in it. Damn, that's a cool name too. I never even knew that what that meant. Yeah. So after the first record, we did a couple of tours on that and um and then when our second record came out that's when we started touring a lot and then it just never really stopped yeah, who, what is the metal what is metalcore i guess to the listeners like who kind of started that that sound i guess i don't know i mean honestly like uh, i don't know what it means it's just like more, <laughs> more heavier than a regular hardcore band a traditional hardcore band i guess yeah i think it's like or the sometimes, sometimes I feel like it's used like in a derogatory mm. sense, you know what I mean? But at the same, but I, I don't know. I, I like, what was your influence? I hate that? getting caught up in like all of the sub genres of the genre, you know? Cause to me, like some people say stick to your guns is a metalcore band. Some will say it's a hardcore band, whatever. Like I don't really care. Yeah. I think, I think that metal metalcore is just supposed to be like whenever the metal started metal influence started going into hardcore. So like Earth Crisis, mm-hmm. a lot of times is looked at as like, oh, they were one of the first real metalcore bands. Yeah, what, um, I, what, what I think is that it's not, hardcore is not a sound. It's it's the person, it, it's the mentality, it's the way you live, it's the way you, you think. Absolutely. And I feel like Hatebreed's a hardcore band, but to, some people might be a metal band, but to me, Jamie Joss is a hardcore kid. He used to put on shows. We played at fucking at a skate park. He's always been very DIY. He's just a hardcore kid, and so are you, and so are the guys that stick to your guns. But you have a different, it's a different sound. Like, hardcore's not all supposed to sound the same, but it all comes from the same place. And I don't know, it, 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 always, it always weirded me out, like the different genres and different labels for things when it all comes from the same place. Which yeah, is, I've always looked at it as, 
hardcore is aggressive punk. Yeah. And punk is um uh, as lame as it is, it's a it's a mindset. Yeah. And that's kind of it. Yeah, I agree with that. You know. Yeah, but the metal shit, I mean, you could say yeah, the Chromex had metal in when they first came out Age of Core. That was harder, you right. know what I mean? Like But everybody likes putting anyway. a, putting a label on stuff. Yeah. So then you get all these, you know, insane labels. So Evergreen Terrace. Yep. Crushing, <clears throat> making records. Yeah, nonstop. Uh, you know, started touring Australia and all over Europe and Japan. I and met you when you were in Evergreen Terrace. Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere cross paths in Europe yeah. or something, yeah. Actually, I met you when you guys were on tour with The Used. Oh, shit, okay. My friend was supposed to do an interview for some magazine and couldn't go. The Used in Boxcar Racer? Yes. Two thousand. And then he was like... Can you go and do these interviews? I said sure. He goes, you'll get you'll get in free. And then when I got there, I didn't want to fucking interview anybody. Wow. And and one of the other dudes, actually one of the dudes in Evergreen Terrace, I think ended up doing the interviews with us too. I think so. Oh, just some bands on the tour. Wow, that was two thousand two. Yeah. Was that in Florida somewhere? Yeah, Gainesville, I think. Holy shit! Wow. Okay. Um. So I met you there then. Yeah, but I mean, it would have been a. Hi. But then I've always I've always saw you around through the years. I've always saw like this built handsome tattooed guy, and then I was right next to that guy. <laughs> but like all all through going to Europe, always seeing you through the name. You know what I mean? Your bands and stuff. And yeah. So anyway, so Evergreen Terrace. Um, so that you you in that band for twelve years? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. In two thousand. So the band started in ninety nine. In two thousand eleven, is whenever, um, just things that kind of started. It was like the the inner working relationships of the band started to just kind of like fall apart a little yeah. bit, and so and and end of 2011, it was kind of like, hey, let's take a step back from being a full time band. You guys got burnt. People got burnt. Yeah, I got burnt, and you know, people grow up and grow grow away from each other sometimes, and you know, there's always those things where you know some people don't get along in a band and things like that. Or, or can't handle the road. Yeah, there's there's a lot a lot of shit, and I think that that's. <clears throat> Also, one of those things that you don't realize, just like how I didn't realize that my life was going to be playing music whenever I started doing it. Yeah. You know, like I didn't, I didn't set that intention. Like I'm going to be in a band forever. Yeah. You know, like that's it's my career. That's Yeah. I didn't think about having a career. Um, you're kind of just taking it moment by moment and not really examining things i think that i learned a lot through evergreen terrace just about life about people about myself about the road yeah but also like things like oh shit like here's some really bad personality traits that i hold Mm. you know and and now i look back and go fuck man i really shouldn't have treated this one guy in the band like that or or maybe i should have communicated differently with this other guy like that that. or whatever it is you know so i think that was a really big kind of um, grew up yeah, yeah, like growing yeah, yeah. experience, but also like that's, you know, all of my 20s. Yeah. And, you know, you really change a lot during that 100%. time and are experiencing things. And also at the same time, we're being exposed to all these different cultures and different ways of life. And yeah. and then at the same time, you know, everybody in the band's kind of also, even though they're in a band together, they're also kind of separating themselves because they're getting into different things. Yeah. So, but in 2011, the, the band kind of slowed down. And then, um, and Casey Jones was at the same time as Evergreen Terrace. Yeah. Casey Jones was a side project from Evergreen Terrace kind of. Yeah. So Casey Jones was started in 2003 with the original bass player of Casey, of Evergreen Terrace and my brother who played drums. 
And uh, originally, I was never going to sing for it. I just wanted to play guitar because I'd, I'd written these songs, and you know, we were like, hey, let's start a straight edge band. And so a few of our friends... Shout out to Mike Judge, because I know he likes Casey Jones. <laughs> and he was asking about this podcast, so I know he listened to Mike. What up, Mike? Mike Judge told me one time that uh, when he first heard Casey Jones, he wasn't sure if we were actually straight edge or if we were making fun of straight edge. <laughs> and, and he was like, I don't know. If these guys are making fun of straight edge, you might have to ride down to Florida <laughs> and fight these guys. Oh, shit. And, That's amazing. And honestly, I wish it would have happened, because oh, that would have just been a phenomenal story. It's a great story. Uh so Casey Jones, what's that name come after? Because when I think of Casey Jones, maybe I'm wrong. I might be the wrong. I think about the Pirates of the Caribbean. No, man. But Casey Jones is in there, right? Casey? I don't know. I've never seen that movie. Oh, my God. It's Max Fair. It's a hundred times. But one of the Pirates is Casey Jones. Maybe I'm fucking wrong. No, it's, fuck. It's Davy Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Holy That's shit. Why I can't have caffeine. Uh, okay. okay, let's go. Not Casey Jones. It's from uh, Ninja Turtles. Fuck! So now we now you're in a band named after the Simpsons. Yeah. And now you're going to Ninja Turtles. Yep. Holy fuck! Okay. Fucking loser. That's uh, crazy though. Yeah. These are both cool names though. Go ahead. Yeah. Is is off <laughs> after uh, the character from Ninja Turtles? Okay. So yeah. So Casey Jones started and then that was like a um, side project. Yeah. That ended up you becoming know, real. Yeah. And and we had a lot of fun and we were able to do a lot of cool tours. But Casey Jones never had the ability to become a full-time band because the other guys, with the exception of my my brother, everybody else in the band, um, actually all three other guys were all uh, going to med school. Oh, shit. Okay. So yeah, so like now all of them are like legitimate people. Adults, yeah. Yeah, like one's a doctor, one works for Boston, like I think a professor at Boston Damn. University. And then one's like working on a cure for Alzheimer's or something. Wow, right so, now at this moment. Right now, this exact moment. He's wow. in a lab. He's got a beaker. There's smoke. <laughs> you were road you you were road dog though. Yeah. And same thing with my brother, because when my when my brother graduated high school, he just started uh touring with Evergreen Terrace as crew. Like okay. he would do merch or help, you know, just kind of like yeah. a roadie kind of guy. And then so he did he either worked for Evergreen Terrace or played drums for Casey Jones and just and he was also in another band called Anchors Away. Oh yeah, no. And, um, was it nice to have your brother on the road with you? Was it weird? Was it yeah. cool? No, it was cool because that was really at the time. You know, whenever you're like, when I'm 16 and he's 12, it's like I don't really want to hang out with him that much. Good point. You yeah, know. But by the time he was like 14 and I was 18, then I wanted to be like, yo, check this out, check this out, check this out. So it's cool. By the time he's, you know, graduated high school, I wanted to be like, yeah, hey, let's experience life together and yeah, let me show you all this shit and let's have a good time. It's fucking awesome. You brought yeah. him onto the road and yeah. see the world and stuff. Yeah, we became we became really good friends. And so, like when you're in your twenties, it's different. If you if you're twenty four and he's and he's twenty, it doesn't sound fourteen. And, yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, like, it's more you're like things are more relatable. So you think it made you guys uh, closer brothers? Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think it also worked that um, you know because our mom raised us as like you know like workers or whatever. Yeah, we both worked really well together on tour. Cool. You know, so it's just like, okay, this is what has to be done. Like this drive has to be done or, you know, there's this problem with the van or whatever. We got to play these two sets this day or whatever it is. Yeah. It's, you know what it I mean? It just may happen. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes, or even like things like, hey, we have to leave at nine o'clock. You know, there's always a guy that's like waking up at mm -hmm. 859 and then it's like, hold on, I'm going to rinse off real quick. Talk yeah, friends. Yeah. Same, I know that shit. Yeah. You know, so it's like <laughs> him and I were, were on the same page a lot of times, but he's a lot more of a mellow guy. Okay. Where I used to get more hyped. 
yeah, I would just get more angry, frustrated and shit like that. And, and he wouldn't. And, yeah. I, and sometimes I would be able to look over and see him not having that reaction. And even though I was flipping out at whatever thing it was later on, I could be like, ah, you know what? Maybe that, maybe the, so it was calming to have him there. Yeah. Sometimes and it balanced you. Yeah. Did your parents come out and see you guys play together when he was in? No, my, I don't think my mom and stepdad ever saw Casey Jones and they never saw him play. The only Evergreen Terrace show they ever saw was the first record release show. Wow. And my dad saw Casey Jones once. It was the show was Casey Jones, Evergreen Terrace, Stretch Armstrong in Columbia, South Carolina. And he showed up. And he, there was a balcony and I remember he seen him on the balcony he had a drink in his hand. He's like nodding his head. And afterwards he's standing by the side of the stage and he has his hands in his pockets and he goes, Woo, man, that was awesome. You were like, fuck you. Fuck that. Fuck this. Caleb was beating the shit out of the drums. Woo. woo. He was hyped. And I was like, what the fuck? And I go, oh, he's drunk. And I go, mm-hmm. I go, Hey, if you want another drink, there's stuff in the Evergreen Terrace band room. It's like, nah, there's just Coca-Cola. And I'm like, what? And then he was like, all right, don't tell anybody. But before you guys played, I went out into the Evergreen trailer and I smoked some weed with the other guys in the band. Wow. And so he was just high as shit. And then for like a, maybe like a year, anytime that we would, Evergreen Terrace or Casey Jones would show, would play like in a hundred mile radius, he would show up to the show. And if Holy Evergreen and if Evergreen was playing, he'd have weed, and then he'd always wow. have like snacks. That's so and cool. So, yeah. So he he saw us he saw us a few times. You never saw your dad like that before. That was was he a religious strict kind of guy? Before? No, my dad wasn't. Okay, okay, no, okay. No, my my dad was like fun guy. Oh, that's right. He was fun guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was that's, fun guy. So so that's cool. They came out and supported that, and your your dad would come all the time. And he bonded with the band, huh? Yeah. There was about probably a year that he he did that a lot, and then um, I think he's I think. He, I don't think he's ever seen stick to your guns. And I think that my mom and stepdad saw stick to your guns once. Okay. So that's it. So they don't, was it a good show for them? No, no, it wasn't like that at all. (laughs) Like you mentioned before, like you invite your friends or your parents out. See my band. We're doing well. Check this out. They come to like some weird ass. Oh yeah. There's a fight or it's a fucking, and then they're like pizza shop. And then you, you know, you try to be like, yeah, we were on tour in Europe and we played for 20,000 people. And they're like, you're a fucking liar. (laughs) Like you're selling drugs. I'm like, I don't even do drugs. They're like, yeah, right. You're on drugs. (laughs) Um, so were you working jobs while you were in Evergreen Terrace? Um, for those first couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. But then like, you know, once 2003 hit, I don't think that there was really any more jobs and it was just touring nonstop. Yeah. That's when, that's when, uh, well the, the first record came out in 2004 though, right? No, the first record came out in 2000, 2000 or 2001. But you weren't on that one. Were you on that one? Wait, Evergreen Terrace? I'm talking, I went to Casey Jones. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Casey, Casey Jones, Jones. Two, Casey Jones was 2003. Yeah. That's and a half. yeah, we put out three records and then after Evergreen Terrace started chill out, Casey Jones did our final tour. And at that point I was, uh, I was in stick to your guns. Yeah. And I was not on the first three stick to your guns records. I joined stick to your guns whenever, um, the record diamond was being recorded and stick to your guns. I mean, that's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, I had just met those dudes through touring. And I had known Chris, the other guitar player, and Stig, because he was in Walls of Jericho. Yep. So him and I had known each other for a long time. Crossing and, paths. And yeah. Europe, and we'd always been like, oh, we should be in a band together. Yeah, you know? he's cool. And then uh, one day they hit me up, 
and they were, it was actually the day that Evergreen had had a talk about like things got to chill out the next day. I randomly got a call and it's perfect. And they were like, Hey, do you want to be in this band? And I was like, yeah, I'm sure. I don't know. Yeah. And then six months later, I actually, it actually all worked out and joined the band. That, that same thing happened. Adam, he got fired from shelter. And then two weeks later, he was trying out for H2O. It was like 96, 97. We just got signed and we'd like starting to do pretty good back then. And Adam came and tried out for the band. And then he was back in America and H2O. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And then he wasn't forced to sleep in temples. No. no. He, he was allowed to. <laughs> he was allowed to have facial hair, masturbate and all that shit. But he, <laughs> but he wasn't allowed to because he was a monk for many years. Yeah. He was also given more than $5 a day. <sighs> you said it. Shout out to Adam Blake. Josh just gave you some love. Um, all right, so so where are we at now? So now we're in fucking. Uh, are we in Evergreen Terrace? Or are we in Casey Jones? Now? So Evergreen Terrace ends. You mind if I piss while we're sitting? Go here? for it. All right, I have a, I have a piss so bad I want to keep talking to you. Uh, Evergreen Terrace ends. You know it's great. I love the fact that you're pissing into a cup in the middle of your kitchen where I can see the bathroom. Yeah, but because my I, wife I, gives me the same shit. But for I, this. I want to keep the flow. I love the flow because I'm hyped same. Right now. I'll piss in a bottle. I'm on the couch and she's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, well, it, it's, "That's some that's, shit we learned from tour, though. That's that, some I know. That's some lifestyle shit. But it's also like it's just so convenient. How about the fact that you you wore the same shirt and didn't shower for three weeks or something? You wore the same shirt every day or something in Europe. Oh, it's an evergreen agnostic front tour, and somehow it got brought up on like how long could you actually go without showering or changing clothes? You're fucking disgusting. And so yeah, it, even your I underwear too. You didn't wear underwear. I wore underwear. Are you underwear? I guy? think I think the only the the, uh, the only stipulation was you could change your socks. So I did change my socks. But not your day. underwear. No, I didn't take off my clothes. Oh, for no, a I, I ran into you, bro. I slept in them, um, all that stuff. You don't seem like an underwear guy to me, though. I'm an underwear guy. No, you seem like a free ball, like just like a free, like whatever. No, I wear like black silk panties. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, Stance yourself, just like I drank. Whoa, it. take a sip. No, I'm chilling. Uh, I just pissed in the cup because I had a lot of caffeine and a lot of fucking coffee, and I don't leave the flow of Josh James right here. Um, so, so Evergreen Terrace case. So, Evergreen Terrace is about to be over. Everybody's kind of doing their own thing. They want to do like get, go, have like real jobs, that's per se. Not case even that. It's already like a side project, though. Yeah, Evergreen's just kind of falling apart internally. Casey Jones is planning the end of the band. And Stick to Your Guns is asking me to join. That's all happening at the exact same time. crazy, man. So what ends up happening is Casey Jones ends up doing our final tour. I join Stick to Your Guns. I'm still playing in Evergreen Terrace. Yeah, it's a lot of shit. But Evergreen Terrace is just part-time. And then Evergreen and Stick to Your Guns do a tour together yep. in Europe. And then Stick to Your Guns goes on tour right after that. And I get a call from one of the guys in Evergreen. At this point, I'm now living in Los Angeles. If I would fly back to Jacksonville to play a show, Stick to Your Guns has an insane touring schedule. Grind the hard, Ever- man. The Evergreen Terrace show that I'm getting asked to play is like... I have three days off in between tours and they want me to fly. You know what I mean? And so I just realized, Hey, I don't want to hold back evergreen terrace at all. If they want to play shows and tour and write and stuff like that, yeah. then, then I don't want to hold them back from doing that. So then I just call everybody and go, Hey, I don't want to hold you guys back. I'm going to quit the band. So I quit. Fuck. I quit evergreen. Casey Jones is done. And then finally for the first time in like a decade, I'm just in one band because also before Casey Jones, I was also, I was in Evergreen Terrace and this other band at the same time called one fifth. Okay. So it was kind of like 
like once Evergreen Terrace started, I was always in another band. That's crazy, yeah. And then so finally in 2013, I believe, is or 2012, summer of 2012 is finally like I'm just in Stick to Your Guns. So how old you how old are you then? Twenty something? Uh it's 18 years. 2012, 29. Wow. Yeah. So now you're now you're just with just one band. Yeah, just one band. And they're on the come up too at that time. Stick to yeah, bands, right? and we're so busy that it would have been unf- a lot, man. It would have been unfair to be in any other band that wanted to actually the, do stuff. And use that time for you, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you join, they're already they're already recording Diamond Record, which becomes a really big record. Yeah, we're recording. They're recording Diamond. I go to the studio. It's the blasting room. Yeah, uh, I'm sitting in the kitchen. Bill Stevenson. Bill Stevenson walks in and he goes, "Whoa, I thought you were a young Hank." Oh, and I was like, "Oh, sick. oh shit." And Henry so, Rollins, ladies and gentlemen. Henry Rollins, you saw. Yeah, he's doing. You do have that vibe. Oh shit. So that record. More Tom Cruise for me, but guys. <laughs> um. Um. So yeah. So Diamond comes out, and then it's just the band's doesn't stop. Nonstop. Yeah. Then we put out uh, Disobedient after that. Then True View. Um, we put out a couple like seven inches and things like that. And then we actually, before COVID hit, we just finished a new album. Doing a new album that's just sitting on the shelf now. So how many albums you do with them? Uh, there's since I've been in the band, there's been Diamond, Disobedient, True View. So the last three, but but Diamond, I had very little to do with. Yeah, but you toured on that record, obviously, and played yeah. those songs. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I saw you guys first time in Europe, heard about the band through Vogue. I think Vogue was working with you guys for a minute. Yeah, managing. he was managing the band yeah. for, for for a little bit right before I right before I joined. Yeah, then when I saw you guys and already knew you and shit, I was like... We did Persistence Tour 2013. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, for Stick to Your Guns, it's, for me, it was like a mesh between hardcore. If you wanted to put labels hardcore, kind of pop punk, kind of metal, all mushed together. Like uh, For me... It's the first time I've seen it. So for me, it's original sound. I'm sure there's other influences that, that sound like Stick to Your Guns that I'm not sure. But for me, it's something new and had all the elements of different things put together. And it just worked with like melodic choruses within like hard breakdowns and like terror vibes or mad, well, chugga chugga mosh shit, but then also melody. So for me, it was like, holy shit, this is everything meshed into one. I thought it was super original, you know? Yeah, I think it's all, I mean, it's it's not, but thank you. Um <laughs> We'll say that we're the first. Uh, no, you but, had three influences. You told me last time the three influences for Stick to Your Guns. You think? I mean, honestly, I think that like Terror is a huge influence for sure. Um, uh, Boy Sets Fire is sure, a big in- yeah. influence. Propaganda is a big influence. Sick. Um, but I mean, it was a good three. That makes sense. Yeah, but I mean, like everybody's kind of influenced. Like Chris is also heavily influenced by Madball yeah. and Biohazard. Yeah, you know, like everybody has their own influence that they bring to the table and then everybody kind of brings it together yeah that's you know true. so there's for everything from biohazard to bad religion yeah what is, what is something that josh james listens to that people would be surprised that you like that's not hardcore because people think you play this music you live this music that all you listen to are like hardcore all day long oh man i really fuck with some country really yeah um i like <laughs> i like i love brooks and dunn wow um merle haggard uh, there's a um, a dude that I listen to now a lot named Coulter Wall. Coulter, I just heard about him. Yeah, he's great. Frank Grillo just played him. He's a young guy. He sounds like Johnny Cash, right? Dude, his voice is. When I found out that guy was like 20, I was like, what the? Does he sound like Johnny fuck? Cash? Yeah, super super deep voice, like old wow. old country. Yeah, I just heard our friend played it on the podcast the other day. Actually, um, 
So country, um, so country. Is that something? Yeah, you feel? I like a lot of country. No, I mean I've always kind of dabbled, you know. And again, like punk and hardcore, I think have been primarily what I've always listened to. But there's stuff like um, there's a bunch of other stuff that I'm like a fan of, but I don't know about the world that much. Mm. You know what I mean? Like some poppy shit or no? Yeah, I like some I like some poppy stuff. I'm trying to think of I mean, my my brain something super mellow. Yeah, I love that. That cigarettes and sex. Heard about that? I never heard it though. I heard that. Seen the um, name a bunch. Yeah, like shit like that yeah. is re- is really cool. Um, there's also like this. Uh, uh, there's this artist. But I mean, he's just like a. I guess he's more of a composer. It's called Black Mass. Okay. Um, they've done like some movies and stuff like that. Okay. So shit like that. But also, um, I mean, you blasting like super hard shit. Maybe when you're working out, you work listen to different, more harder shit. Uh, yeah. I mean, lately when I've been working out, I've been working out by myself and I've just been working out in silence. Okay. Like I've just been enjoying that working out outside, just having it be just dead. That's interesting. If I'm working out with someone else, I'll kind of, Jesse has, has worked out with me a few times in the last couple of months. So then we'll listen to like Dag Nasty or Uniform Choice or Hatebreed is always the, a great band to lift weights to. Um, but yeah, so kind of everything, you know? How old, when did you start when did you start getting into your physique and working out and building and crossfit because ever since I know you've been in great shape like when, when did that happen and what 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 made that transformation because you said you were a bigger kid and you obviously stretched out in your high school whatever but when do you, what, what got you interested in actually lifting weights uh in my early 20s one of the the guitar player for Casey Jones hit me up one day and he was like hey um, I have access to uh, the Navy base because his dad worked there. And he's like, there's a free gym. Do you want to go? I have a Florida State University f- football team bench press program. Okay. And I went, sure, I have nothing else to do. And so I- How, how I, was your shape at that moment? Just normal. You know what I mean? I think I've always been a, a little bigger. Yeah. But um, but I didn't, you know, other than skateboarding, I didn't really do You have exercise. a sick butt. You have like a um, hockey player's butt. Thanks, man. Appreciate that's, that. That's a compliment. You have like a, you have like a thick tush. Um, but people know Josh. I know Fern, he has Fern likes it. <laughs> but it's very, you're very hockey. You have a hockey player vibe. Hockey ass. Hockey ass. That's a compliment. I'm going to tell her that when I get home. <laughs> so you started working out with him and then you got, you just like, you addicted to it? No, it was just one of those things where I was like, oh, this is cool. And then on tour, started doing it to really kill time. And mm. then what started happening was I would notice that if you brought a pair of dumbbells on tour, there would always end up being like five guys on the tour that then would just We're kind down. of get together and then be like, Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. You know what I mean? It's turning that Got people together too. Yeah. yeah. And then, <clears throat> but then I injured my neck. I injured my back and my neck. I don't know. when I was probably like 24, 25 and, on tour or something. Or? Yeah. I don't remember what it was. I was doing something stupid. And, um, so then I just ate like shit and I started putting on a lot of weight. Okay. And then one day I was having sex and I looked down and I was like, look at this fat fucking gut. Like, ew, <laughs> who would have sex with this? You're why would, yourself while you're having why sex. would this girl have sex with me right now? This is disgusting. <laughs> look at me. And so that, mo- <laughs> that motivated me to, to start exercising. And I did like, you know, like P90X or something like that. Or oh, that's in- right. Insanity. That's what it was. Insanity. I remember I tried it before. And then after that, um, started going to a, a CrossFit gym in Jacksonville and then kind of got into like dabble dabbling and like, you know, powerlifting and just strength, strength and conditioning, I guess. Yeah. 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 And then have kind of just have done that for, for a long but time. Nonstop. Like, like it's something every day. It's yeah. I mean, I, I, I usually do it 
five five times a week. Yeah, you know, on tour, I try to get in like a little twenty minute workout every day. But I then see. you know, there's times where it's just like. I don't know. The weather sucks and the venue sucks and this and that. And yeah. then you just go a couple of weeks eating like shit or you get an injury. But I've seen whatever. you worked on the warp tour and those hot ass days outside by the trailer. I feel like that's shit. the, I, that, that's the way to survive warp tour is to mm-hmm. have stuff to do. Yeah. Cause a lot of you, wait time. You know what I mean? There's so much downtime. Yeah. So you're stuck in the field somewhere. Yeah. And then there's also people that always want to work out. So it ends up kind of turning into like a, a way to socialize and yeah, kind of relax. But lately I just like, I've really enjoyed just like, Working out by myself, silence, no music, yeah, and then just just doing it. Yeah, Doyle said that he um started lifting weights when he was fourteen, and he said he never missed a day once his whole entire Holy life. shit! Well, like just he, weights every day. You can fucking tell when that guy takes his shirt off. So so working out, so that keeps I'm sure that keeps you sane and balanced. You know what I mean? Like yeah, because you you you're not you're an intense guy, but you're you're you have a lot of energy. And maybe that helps balance that kind of stuff. You like like balances you out. Yeah, I think it just kind of gives. me, I think it's uh, for me, it's like um, the one moment in the day where I'm forced to be mindful and yeah. to focus on what I'm doing right then and there. Mm-hmm. Because if you if you're not, then you're gonna drop a weight on your foot or on your head. Yeah, you know what I mean. You're gonna hurt yourself. So you have to. Be. It's so easy. I think especially nowadays with you know, social media and everything like that. And we have so many distractions, you know, so many, if you go to watch something on TV, it takes you an hour to find something because you have so many options and then you're on your phone and you have this and that. And so it's so easy for me to get like lost in everything and not really be mindful other than like when I do like a morning meditation and when I work out, those are the only two times, but the meditation is way harder for me than the working out is. Okay. You know, because the meditation is just, you know, actually being still and what kind do you do? I just do a silent meditation or, I mean, there's a guided meditation that I do from this, um, uh, this teacher named George Falcon. Um, so I'll do his guided meditation and then the other ones will just be silent meditations. So you have a a stick to your guns record. You guys recorded it. So it's come out this year. So now you push it to an next year. Yeah. Uh, you know, for a band like six year guns, it always makes the most sense to put a record out while you're touring, obviously yeah. with COVID and, and shit. You, you guys are on point with that. Like every, was it every two years? Yeah. Every, every two, three years. You guys are really on point with like sticking to that. Yeah. I, I like that. I mean, I think that program, yeah. it makes sense. And like, so, so it's just one of those things where, where we're just, we're going to wait to see what happens the next year, but I don't think anybody's expecting to go on tour next year. And so if that, if no matter what, I think we're going to put that record out next year. Yeah. Just because also like as a, as the, as a quote unquote artist, you don't want to sit on your shit for so long because then it just feels old. Yeah. So I think it'll come out next year, no matter what, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to tour, but what are the tours this year you're supposed to have? They were fucking oh my huge. God. They this, were year, huge this year was actually insane. Um, right before <clears throat> the first tour that got canceled was an arena tour in Europe with Parkway Drive and Haybreed. Insane, dude. Then we had like a killer headliner lined up uh, for our record release for the summer. Then we had a tour with Rise Against. And then we had another headliner um, in Europe. I think Turnstile was Fuck, direct man. support. Some other bands, so it was an awesome year of of touring and the brand new record out. Everything, man. Yeah, we were so pumped, but but whatever, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it'll 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 it happen one day in some form. Are you missing touring? So we'll see. I wasn't until recently. Um, 
I was like looking, I was looking, uh, Jesse's birthday was a couple weeks ago. So yeah. I was like looking through pictures to like find one to post for his birthday. Yeah. And I was just like looking at all these pictures of us on tour and I was like, fuck, oh, this was great. This was fun. This, this is a fun mm-hmm. time. I remember this. I remember that. And, um, and so I think looking at those things and then also getting to the point where I don't have like now all the chores that I gave myself, mm-hmm. you know, like to do lists. Yeah. To do lists. Like, you know, in the beginning, you got a new crib too. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you Beautiful house. So it's like whenever we, we, we moved and then it's like, okay, I'm going to do this to the yard. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. We need to paint this and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, bam, 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 bam like so much shit to do, which is great. Cause yeah. I, I love a to do list. Yeah. But then when they got all checked off, I'm like, like, now what? Yeah. And then it kind of feels like, what's my purpose? Mm-hmm. You know? And then luckily, like 18 Visions was working on stuff during the pandemic also. And yep. and we, we 18 Visions, another band that I play in, and we um, put out a, a six song um, EP um, a couple months ago on vinyl, which was really cool. And then I did the Sorry for and stuff. Yeah, I'm going to get to that. Um, one thing about you mentioned about tour, you, you guys really have fun on tour, and you can see your. Your your big family, all the pictures and the shit. You guys bungee jumping, jumping off of fucking bridges and shallow waters. Who fucking knows? Just doing the craziest shit. Like when you're on tour, for people listening, when you when you when you're married and have kids and you're at home and you're doing the domestic thing, when you go on tour, it's total fantasy. The only responsibility is to play music with your friends every night. It's amazing. But you have like these other twenty three hours where you're traveling or just trying to make it through and keep your energy up and exercise like Josh does. But these guys, they, every every place they go, they find cool shit to do and. I love seeing that, especially, I don't know, maybe because we're older, we don't maybe do it because I'm 50. Who fucking knows my excuses? But <laughs> like you go to these same places, you go to Prague, you see the same churches, you see these same places over and, go, over and over again. The Eiffel Tower, blah, blah, blah. And you guys make the best of every city and every country. And you still do that after this many years touring. You know, and I think that's amazing. Yeah, I, think there, I mean, there's always stuff to discover. Yeah. I think those first few times, especially when you're in Europe, you know, you want to see all of the big... Um, things that the city's known for. You would go, totally. to, you go to Paris, you're like, I got to see the Eiffel Tower. Totally. But then the third or fourth time, you're like, okay, like I heard about this church made of all bones or yeah, something. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Like whatever whatever <laughs> it is, or there's this underground record store, or there's this yeah. place that makes the best chocolate cake in the world. I don't know, whatever no, it is. No, for real, yeah, you start picking uh, up different know, things. And then looking at like, okay, where can you go swimming? It's summertime, or what's going on, this and that. So yeah. I think it's... I'm, I hung out guys at water park. That's yeah. where you kind of first met Max. Oh my god, that's stick, right. Stick your guns is obsessed with water parks. And we hung out that tour. day. There, that's right. Max was there. That's yeah. right. That's a, that's another time we hung. Yeah. That's like another. Um, I say that's one of Stick Your Guns' biggest pastimes is okay. finding water parks or every country, every city, or every swimming places mm. um, in the hot summer months. But there's a lot. Sometimes festivals like. There'd be like a lake around the festival. Like, yeah. Place in Europe, there's so many cool things to explore, right? Yeah. But you never get bored of touring. I think that there's days you get a little burnout on it. And there's definitely been years where it's, you know, tour 10 months out of the year or something like that. And you're like, fuck, this is a lot. And you were fucking grinding, dude. I remember like we first met Fern and you were traveling and leaving and coming and going. Like, yeah. It's hard, man. But it's like, you know, for, for me, it's just like I, I was, I was telling her the other night, I was like, that's just, what I was built for, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's my thing. Yeah. You know, for, for that compartment of my life, that's what fulfills it. And you it. can tell cause you love it and you're always, yeah. And you guys stay nonstop working. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's fun. Um, so now you're not having that. So now it's kind of like, for me, I'm kind of like push the music to the side and work in the podcast. It's everything else I can do <clears throat> living in the now that I can control now. Cause we have no control of 
the future, even though our tours are announced next year. It's not really up to us. It's up to the, the governors or whatever the country is to control that. So yeah, it's, it's kind of hard not to think about music, but it's also kind of easy too. It's weird because we have, we have, we can't control that. You know what I, mean? I think like, it's also, e- it's been easy for me to not like really even think about it because I know that it's not exclusive to stick to your guns. It's not, I'm not, I know that I'm not, not going on tour because the band is falling apart because something, that's a good point. because something's happened. I know that whether it's stick to your guns or Jay-Z, no one's going on tour. Facts. You know what I mean? So, yeah. it, so it's almost like to me, I went, Oh, that doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's been easy to kind of cope with it that way. Yeah. Uh, being like, well, I can't sit here and go, I wish, I wish, I wish, because that thing just doesn't exist. I know. It's what? like, I wish that I had a second dick. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> It doesn't, that doesn't exist right now. Yeah, we're like the lowest on the totem pole, it feels like, music, Oh, right? 100%. I was talking to... Nobody even cares. It feels like... I was talking to someone uh, yesterday, uh, Tom from Straight From The Path, being like, dude, we're we're not going to go on tour until people are eating inside restaurants without masks. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's going to be a while. Like, we're the last, and our world is one of the very last ones to bring back. I know. Adele is going to come back and go on a tour or be able to go on some form of a tour before us before stick to your guns or H2 H2O H2 <laughs> Halloween part two. Um, cause when you see live nation announce all these things like vaccines and mandatory COVID tests three days before I'm like, damn, most of the shows you play aren't even live nation. We're like under that radar. Yeah, And then on top of that, like, you know, most people buy tickets at the door. Yeah. It's a last minute decision to go like, fuck it. I'm going to go chain reaction. Yeah. You know, or, or whatever it is, which by the way, you guys, you, you turn me on to the whole saving the, the chain reaction thing and you guys with the videos and stuff and now it's saved, right? Yeah. I mean, that was a Jesse spearheaded that thing. He really got, did. He got a call from our manager saying that really did. that chain reaction, which is a venue in Anaheim. It's like the CBGBs of SoCal. Yeah. And that it was, you know, it was going to go under because of COVID. And luckily, um, you know, Jesse's a guy where whenever he gets a fire lit under his ass, he lights the he uses that 100%. fire to light the rest of the world on fire. Yeah, it worked. It was and awesome. it did. Yeah. And, and so raise enough money through, you know, some fucking t-shirts, t-shirts, which is crazy. I think like a hundred grand was raised. It's amazing, dude. That's to, what they needed. Yeah. So, so now it's good for a year. I think it's good until that's how much money it needs to stay closed without being permanently closed for a year. So hopefully it's crazy. It costs hundred grand just to stay closed. Um, yeah, I want to I want to talk a couple a couple of your bands. One's Extremist, which was uh, a project with Davey Havoc. Um, <clears throat> who else was in the band? Jade. Jade from AFI. And he, I went to one of your shows and they had it was a demo and it was like this crazy straight edge vegan intense hardcore. It was it was awesome, man. Yeah, that was cool. I remember you learning those songs. You lived downstairs. Yeah, I lived down downstairs from you. And um, at that period of my life, I didn't sleep. And so <laughs> you I didn't would, actually. I would just one of the best roommates we had, and we miss you dearly. Anyway, thank you. I. Uh, I, yeah, I, the writing on that record, Jade wrote all of it and it's just so fucking bananas. So different than what you learned even. Very different from what I ever play. play and yeah. it was cool because it made me a, a better guitar player. Yeah. And uh, yeah, played a couple of shows and they're, they're real fun. And then, um, I remember the show sold out really fast. The Roxy. Yeah. It was funny. I think the Roxy show sold out like in three minutes and then we realized we're like, Oh, but the record's not out. And then we realized, Oh, it just sold out with people that are AFI fans. They're coming to see <laughs> Davey and Jade. And it was a crazy show though. Cause we had, 
I remember Haas diving, a bunch of homies. Yeah, luckily yeah. we got like 30 people on the guest list mm-hmm. that, you know, would dance dance around and, and made the show uh, <laughs> as a killer show. Would, that, would you guys fun. make more music, you think? I Honestly, <laughs> the, the only way I think that would ever happen is if Jade, maybe during this time, he's sitting there right now writing another extremist record, who knows? But Davey always goes, I don't have anything more to say. I said everything, mm-hmm. I had said everything that I have to say about I res- Straight Edge I respect on that, that record. So, yeah. yeah. And what about Ramon's ex? Ramones X is a <laughs> straight edge Ramones cover band. It's such a cool th- concept, man. Yeah, and that Davey sings in that also. And uh um Val, the guy who plays drums in Extremist, who was also in he's in a band called Loma Prieta. He was in Punch, uh, a bunch of bands in the Bay Area. Uh he plays drums. And um and our you guys fan- ever practice with that shit or no? Yeah, yeah. We we did we practiced for a while and we tried getting shows but it was either i was on tour or afi was on tour or yeah. Loma prieta was on tour so we never ended up playing a show was it ramon songs the same pace as ramon songs or was it, it your style straight up just playing ramones and davy singing ramones like ramones it's wow man so wow. yeah it was cool so maybe one day we'll, we'll get to play a show i mean that that's a great concept yeah it's fun um so when we did this podcast last a lot of things have changed so we talked about Sorry, Fern, which is um, your wife, who ended up recording some vocals on some songs that you would you were recording in your bathroom, basically, right? And now, now the shit's out as of yesterday on Spotify and all a bunch of platforms. And you did cassettes, you did T-shirts, you donated the money. Please uh, let the fans know about Sorry, Fern. Uh, it's so all the rage right now. Everybody's <laughs> talking about it. It's so no, cool. Like in the beginning of lockdown, <laughs> I, I started kind of just like, I don't know. I, I made some joke riff, and then I told her to yell on it. And she yelled on it, and I was like, oh, man, your voice actually sounds pretty cool. So good. And then so I turned it into a song, and then one night was like, hey, can you go stand in the bathtub and yell this stuff? And then she did it, and so we just recorded everything in our apartment um, on the laptop, and then I sent it over to George from Stick to Your Guns. He played drums on it, and then Chris from Stick to Your Guns mixed it and mastered it. And um, and so, yeah, it's like a six-song, like – like demo tape yeah and uh yeah we made a couple hundred and a couple hundred shirts and then we put them up and all the money's going to um like feed like underprivileged people like these refrigerators right? yeah there's a um cool. community fridges so cool so I th- a lot of a lot of cities have them um here it's obviously called la community fridges you can look it up on instagram and uh different neighborhoods will have their own fridge but essentially like it's people who have just come together and decided to put a fridge outside of a certain business that they will work a relationship with. So cool. And then you just, anybody from the neighborhood goes in there, puts food up, up in it. And then anybody in need, they go and grab food. And you know, right now, right now is definitely, obviously a lot of people are having hard times. Yeah, man. And so I think that's a really cool thing for people to be able to, you know, families and you know, people have recently lost their homes or recently become homeless, be able to know that they can find these fridges scattered yeah. throughout the city and, and get a bite to eat. Yeah. So, so cool. all the money we're, we're putting towards putting towards uh, that and a couple of other things in the neighborhood. Yeah. And so now it's on Spotify. Now the songs are out and people really love the songs. And it's like, I think people are tripping that like, it's, it's it's your wife singing because she's not really into that world. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it's and now fun. she's in that world. I was talking to someone about that the other day, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking talking about earlier with punk music. Is she's someone who she listens to some punk bands? You know, like her favorite bands, like Talking Heads. Great, you know, and then and she also loves like Selena. You know what I mean? And, and probably some poppy shit too. Yeah, yeah and, but also like she saw. Uh, one year for a birthday or something, she got me tickets to this like 
like bad religion show and then she remember like, that. fell in love with bad religion wow you know what i mean so it's like she likes everything but what was cool about it is when we were recording those songs every time she like would would do the vocals it was with such like intent yeah and like realness that i was like damn i was like this actually really sounds good and then when i was talking to her about it she's like yeah because like i like i feel this i believe this and, she wrote and, and lyrics, i'm like yeah. man i'm like that's punk you know what i mean like yeah. that's that's what it is that's this feeling of yeah, like 100%. i'm angry about this or like whatever it is and so that's it's awesome it's man. cool and it's also like fun to watch her because she's like this is crazy i know you and, know like like and the reaction to it too is she tripping on people loving it yeah she's like this is insane like you know people from like her high school have like what about people from so she's she's a tv show next what about people has that cast heard or anybody from like because i remember you talked about going there when you had the big beard and like who is her husband? He's like this big. Yeah, when they they filmed when <laughs> when when uh, you lived in Chicago for a moment. Yeah, yeah, they filmed the whole <laughs> series of the show in Chicago, and so like I had this giant beard because I didn't shave it was a for sick a year. Beard, yeah, and they and and everybody in the cast just thought that Fern was like a girl that loved guys with beards or something, and then one day I showed up. And I had I had shaved it off or shaved it like into a goatee or something, and it was like kind of dark. And I I went on to set, and they got done filming the scene, and she came over and she like started kissing me, and the wardrobe lady was like, "Oh my god," because she thought Fern was like cheating, cheating on me. <laughs> and then she the lady was like so freaked out, and then Fern was like, "Oh, do you remember Josh, my husband?" And oh. he's like, "Oh my god, thank God that was your husband. I didn't know who that was." Um, but yeah, no, the, uh, what if they've heard this shit yet? Yeah, no. Um, actually it's funny cause you know, like we, we were, hand, we are, we are handling all of the mailing out all the orders. And it's like a couple people from the cast we, we see like, Oh shit, they ordered a tape and a shirt or wow. like, you know, a camera guy or a, a makeup lady. Holy you know, shit. So, yeah. It's pretty funny. That's fucking awesome. Like, holy yeah. shit. So now she's an actress and she's singing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I was joking with her today. I was like, hey, you're doing a better transition from the actor uh, actor to musician than most people. Than a you lot know. of people. It's like you did it better than Keanu Reeves so far. <laughs> oh, yeah, the band. That's right. Yeah, Dogstar, right? Holy that was fuck. Fun. Is there anything on this lockdown that, that you learned about yourself? Is, I feel like it's like a lot, a lot of forced reflection because you're kind of sitting still and the world's kind of stopped and... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, don't know, I feel like. Well, one thing I learned is that every backup plan uh, <laughs> also falls in line. You know, like every backup plan that I had in life still involved touring mm. or or still involved some type of live music. Gotcha. Like working for another band, joining another band, starting another band, you know, uh, working at a venue. Yeah. All the, any backup plan idea that I ever had. I'm like, okay, well that's all shot to shit. Yeah. So it's kind of scary. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's that. And I think it's also just like my biggest challenge during lockdown now that I'm dealing with is learning how to exist without having an attachment to the idea of needing a purpose. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because like the band is what I always identify with as like a quote unquote purpose. Like that's, that's what I do. That's what I'm built for. Yeah. And that doesn't exist now. So then it almost makes me feel like there's no point. Or what am I, what is your purpose? Yeah. 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 So I think that right now the, the big thing is going, okay, like I got to let go, just let go of that. Yeah. Yeah. But so. you, but now you're married, you're domestic, got a house. You can focus on your, just, I mean, you always focus on your health, but like, just you and yeah. your lady and chill enjoy this downtime because once it starts, it's going to, 
Because I know, like, when I think about touring, like, I, I, you know, my, my bass player did a post the other day about it, just like all of us, like, jet lagged at the airport, like, all totally shot, ready to go home. There, there is a bunch of stuff about touring that it, it gives me anxiety, like, just the traveling and the flying and all that and being away from your fam. But being on stage, obviously, is great, and playing the shows is great, and meeting people and going to different countries and different cultures. But there is a part of touring that I don't miss, you know, just, like, the whole, like, Maybe like the leave my fam thing. It's gonna probably be way harder when this actually starts again. Because the longest we've been home, like nine months. Yeah, I'm I'm just um, really banking on her just being absolutely sick of me. I mm. mean, like get out of here. <laughs> it's a good challenge though for being married because when you guys first started dating, you were t- touring so much, and now it's just like okay, now we're together. This is it. Oh yeah, this would life be like if I had a normal <clears throat> job? A hundred percent. And the other day we were like, oh, this is the longest time that we've ever spent with each other. Yeah. And then we we're laughing about it. And I was like, you know, what's fucked up. I was like, we're married and I've only known you for like five and a half years. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> five and a half years. Yeah. And I'm like, and you're married to me. I was like, you don't even know me. <laughs> well, now you can force it. I think it's really great. It's, uh, it shows, um, how good relationships are as good or not. I think it's, this is really helping, yeah. you know, people yeah. to make it through like really like, oh shit, you really got a good one. We're lucky. Yeah, no. We we definitely lucked out with each other because I remember the other day I was like, How you doing? She's like, Great. I love I love it. I was mm-hmm. like, All right, cool. Me too. I definitely feel like for me, my wife tells me this because I leave and I come and I go and the tour is it that helped the marriage last twenty five years. It helps the balance of it, you know? Like yeah. The missing each other type shit. Fern really loves we both do value our alone time. So there's never been a problem when I go on tour. And I think also it works out because she's an she's an actress that in her past relationships, she's had to leave to go to work. Yeah. And in my past relationships, I've been the one that has to go leave for work. Yeah. So now both of us understand what that's like. Yeah. And neither one of us feel guilty about leaving because, you know, you get into a relationship and one person leaves all the time. The other person eventually starts building some type of resentment a lot of times. Mm. So... It's kind of funny because there's never it's she's always like, Yeah, that's your that's that's what you do. Yeah. Have fun. Go yeah. fun. You know? And we all, even when I'm on tour, we always joke around because like it'll be like the first week. I'm like, I don't miss you yet. And she's like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't miss you either. I'm like, All right. And then by like, you know, week two or three, I'm like, I think I started to miss you. She's yeah. Like, I mean, but that's also I think that's cool to like miss each other. I think so too. I think it definitely helps relationships. At least I don't know. That's the positive side of being a musician and being married and having that balance and, and a wife that actually can deal with you leaving and come visit you and with a bunch of guys farting or whatever they do, jumps on the bus. You know what I mean? Can be can roll with you guys, yeah. you know? Yeah. It takes a very special woman to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of marriages don't last in the music biz. Um, so yeah, we're very lucky in that sense. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, I do. This is, this is a really good one. I think we... Um, I think we're done. Almost, almost done. I mean... Yeah, I think we're done. Let's look at my list over here. No, I mean, I think that we're done with uh, retaping the podcast. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we this is the we, one. Yeah, we got a good flow. Um, you pressed record, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I think I asked you this last time too. If you had any regrets, did you have any regrets? Just the times that I ate stuff that gave me food poisoning. Okay, <laughs> that's about it. But no, I mean, like, I'm, did you wish you went to like college? Did you go to college? No. No. Well. I actually lived in Gainesville, Florida for a few years. Uh, the girl, a girl that I was dating was getting a, a, going to school there. And when I was home from tour and she'd be at school, I didn't have any friends there. So I would go sneak into classes. So I just what? like, I made my own. 
You snuck into college classes? Yeah, I made my own schedule. Like there was like a history class, what? a philosophy class. Just because you were bored? And the, the Krishnas would make a lunch. So every, you could go onto campus and it was like $3 or something like that. This bomb ass Krishna lunch. So wow. every day I'd wake up and I'd go to to the campus and I'd get Krishna lunch. And then I would like go sit in a class. Like, and would you actually pay attention and learn shit? Yeah. But it was cool because... I didn't have to take the test. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So if I didn't feel like paying attention, then I would just leave or whatever. But no, I never, I never officially went to college. I don't regret it. I mean, I'm sure that there's, I regret things like the way that I treated people. Yeah. And in things, things like that. In like, relationships like, and shit. Yeah. yeah. Like in friendships and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. I, I, re- I regret things like that. Um, but as far as like big life choices, no, there's nothing that I really, I really regret. I'm sure I can dig in there and find something, but I also feel like, you know, I could say like, oh, I really regret not learning a skill. So now yeah. during COVID-19, I could go get a job doing something, but I don't regret that because yeah. I'm enjoying my life like this. And also if I want to learn a skill, then now's the time to learn it. Yeah. You, you know? feel like you want to be a musician the rest of your life? Like this is it for you? All you want to do is play music until you can't? I don't know. I mean, I'm just going to do it till I... I, I I only want to do stuff until I just don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. So if I feel inspired to do something else, then I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. You know, it's just if one day, if I things go back to normal or whatever and touring happens and then one day I'm not stick to your guns isn't inspiring to me anymore, then I will move to something else. Yeah. Do you have any you know? tattoos you regret? Yeah, there's a couple. I <laughs> hear <laughs> a couple cover-ups. Uh, what was your first tattoo? Um, it was this... This that lady, yeah, it's uh, she's praying. It's a cover of um, Disciple Record, Heaven okay. or Hell. Okay, shit. and I had no, pl- I was seventeen. I had no plans on on getting a tattoo that day. It's your first one, and my, yeah, my friend had just bought one. had just bought the the LP on vinyl, and I was like in the car, and I was like looking at it. I was like, this, I was like, this record's pretty good. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, this artwork's sick. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it'd be a cool tattoo. And he's like, yeah. And I was like. Let's go to the shop. Holy and then fuck. I made like a, did the tattooer thought I was 18. So we live in a home still. Yeah. Hi. Oh shit. Okay. Before I graduated, I had a half sleeve. Okay. A chest piece. Fuck. My wrist and something on my ankle. And I tried to do the best that I could to hide them. You hide all those in front of your parents. Yeah. I wore, Holy fuck. I, I remember I wore wristbands. <laughs> And then just made my mom think like, yeah, that's what you do, you know, it's cool. Oh my God. So she never even knew. She knew because one day I showed her and I thought that was, she was going to be cool It was a cool it, moment to show her wasn't. maybe, yeah. She just looked at me and went, I'm so disappointed in Fuck. you. Fuck. And then, but, but I think it was a learning experience for her because, you know, I ended up getting heavily tattooed and yeah. then, and then she went, oh, just because you have tattoos doesn't mean you mean you're a piece of shit. Yeah, you know. So I think for her it was I like a learning that. lesson. Yeah, you know, because I, th- I she had said that a couple of times. Like, hey, just want to say like, you you really I'm really proud of the way that you turned out, and you're a very you know respectable person. Yeah, and, and I don't think tattoos are bad anymore. I'm like, great. Do you consider yourself um, optimist or pessimist? Because to me, for me, you're all you live your life to the fullest. You're always smiling. You're always like telling funny stories. You're like the, you could be the goofy guy, the funny guy, entertaining guy. You have a lot of energy. Um, 
and you always seem happy. Am I wrong? Um, no, I'm not always happy. Uh, but I mean, I, I think, said seem, but I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think life's a scam. Okay. You've said uh, that before, <laughs> but you know, like, I don't know. I, I'm a, I'm you say a, you walked um, in the house and told Fern, life's a scam. Yeah. And she's like, are you going to kill yourself? I'm like, who knows? Maybe one day. No, uh, I think, <laughs> I think I'm a, uh, I'm an op- realist. I'm an optimistic pessimist. Okay. Or am I a pessimistic optimist? I don't know. Time will tell. How about a realist? No. Sure. I, I'm look, some things fucking suck and some things are fucking awesome. Yeah. And I think that's just the way that life is. It's a combination of them. And I think sometimes it's okay to go, I fucking hate this. This is bullshit. Yeah. And I think other times it's okay to go, Hey, it doesn't matter. We're going to, we're going to rise above. Yeah. Y- you know? Yeah. So it's just, I guess it depends on, depends on the day. It's hard now, especially with everything happening on the planet. Just everything seems, I don't know, just like there's no light in the tunnel and it seems dark times and it's just everything we're doing, it's it's hard, man, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think this year's been a beating for for everyone and, you know, even people that aren't getting a financial beating are getting a a beating on reality. Yeah. You know, so every yeah. everyone in, in some way, shape, or form is getting a beating this year and um, and I think that's hard. But, yeah. you know, it's only as hard as you allow it to be. Mm-hmm. And and we are we are fortunate that, or I'm fortunate that if I want to, if I want to get away from a lot of these problems, then all I have to really do is just turn off the phone or turn off the TV, yeah. you know. And some people can't do they that. can't do that. So and so you know, like the other, uh, it's been very helpful to do that. Yeah, like on the ocean now and trying to do that and yeah, I think it's just you gotta you gotta find you gotta find a balance of like what you can take, mm-hmm. you know. And just shit just keeps getting. I think more it's cra- crazy, crazy to see that it doesn't affect us, regardless if like you got a new house, you're happily married, you play music for a living, you're healthy, you're handsome, just all that <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? But it's it's still the weight of the world and shit happening to other people in other countries and all this just different negativity and violence and the COVID and the government, just all this stuff. It's whether you're on your phone or not, even if you're not on your phone, maybe I'm just hiking. I'm still thinking about it sometimes. You know what I mean? It's still, yeah, it's still, it's on also, you, I mean, you know also, I mean? also this year it's more in your face than, than anything else. You know what I mean? Magnify like literally on your face. You're wearing a mask. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, you can't, you can't go somewhere, yeah. you know, or go inside of somewhere unless you have a mask on. Yeah. And there's protests in the street and there's yep. constant things going on all day long. It's yeah. And, and it's like, that's the conversation that you have with everybody now. Yeah. Would you play a drive-in show with your band? Would you, would you, would you feel comfortable doing that? Oh man. Where cars pull up and then they see you and. Dude. I just know if I could do it, man. I don't know if I. I yeah. I have no interest in that because. Me either. Me either. One of the reasons why I love live music is because it is a time where you're able to create an energy with people in a room and that energy is there and it's usually fucking wild and bananas. Like that's the that's the best those are the best shows. Yeah. Just wild, crazy shows. I already know what it's like to play a show where anybody can do anything and they don't. And they don't. <laughs> and that fucking sucks. I can't imagine playing a show where no one can do anything that they want that they want to and they and they don't. Yeah. And then I just have to get on stage knowing that. Like you get on stage knowing, like, well, nobody can Dance nobody's gonna spin kick somebody to the face you know <laughs> or do anything yeah nobody's or gonna the show the sold out but it's only 10 people because that's the way it has to be now yeah or just like yeah playing shows when it's like either a packed show where people aren't moving 
or a half-empty show where people are staring at you, and now you're going to go into doing that knowing you're going to do that, mm-hmm. right? And then people in cars, and they'll watch you beeping the horns to clap and stuff like that. I don't know if I, Or I don't want to be the first man that's going to play the first show back either. No. Like, what, do we, what do we do? Are we waiting for the... For the first couple bands to do and see how it goes, like, I don't know how it's gonna even work for us because it could be the best show or the weirdest show. Like everybody, st- like the six the social distancing mosh pit or yeah. And I just can't see. I also just when don't. It's gonna happen. I, I also just, I also just don't see like there's certain venues that have such an energy that uh, I think there's some venues that it's just like people are going to get back into it and they're not going to care. No. But then that care. might just end up resulting into something worse. Who fucking knows, man? I don't know. I know. It's I know. it's wild, man. Well, um, look, 2024 is right around the corner. Then we'll finally play a show <laughs> I know, and we'll man. know what's up. Um, what wh- What would be your plan B if you thought about, if you could do that? Like if you had to do it right now, if they said music's over now, it's a wrap. Because you could be a model. I think you could be a model. Okay, no. You're very handsome. Stop. stop. Thank you very much. I want to say one more thing. Adam Blake and and Josh James have the the best hair in hardcore. Two different generations. Obviously, Adam's way older. Sorry, Adam. (laughs) But like, always had the good hair, always handsome in shape. Anyway, maybe that's Um, that's a silly question to ask you. I I, I don't even have the answer to that. If I couldn't do something I loved. We're so lucky we get to do what we love in the first place. Yeah, I I I think the hard part is, is that I didn't decide to do this I didn't, I didn't set out with the intention to do this. So I think it's weird for me to go, now I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to be a wedding planner. Yeah. I loved planning my wedding. So now I'm going to plan other people's weddings. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because maybe I only liked planning my wedding because it was just a fun thing to do. And because it was your wedding. And it's the same as maybe that's the same reason why I like being a musician in a touring band mm-hmm. because I didn't go, this is what I'm going to do. So here is take steps A, B, C to get to D. Yeah. And th- you know what I mean? Like that wasn't my plan. It just went, Hey, I like this. This is fun. Yeah. Oh shit. It happened to make me enough money to pay my rent yeah. so I can keep doing it. Great. Yeah. You know, did you ever take it for granted? Do you think touring and playing music? Yeah. hundred percent. And now I like, fuck. Yeah. yeah, but also at the same time, it's like I mean, I don't think yeah, I don't think grand as much as like fuck. I got to leave my wife and kid again. Fuck, I get over to eat a bunch of backstage food and then sit around for twenty three hours. But then when you're there, you're playing like fuck. This is amazing because then you're like no responsibility just to play music. Right, and, you're already and who there. knows? Fuck, you might get back on stage and go. I don't really like this anymore. That could also very well happen. Yeah, another thing I have a fear of like you just get to stay in shape when you're off tour because when you're playing shows and you're on tour, you're getting that. I don't know, you're just getting that whole, you're in shape, the cardio every night. So now like. I would suggest either getting super fat or super ripped. One of the two. So when you come back, people go, whoa, look at that guy. Mm-hmm. I think you look really good like obese. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't try know about it. that. Try it. But just going to be weird going back and walking on the stage the first time and fuck. It could be crickets. Or it could be insane. Who fucking knows? Yeah. Like, and it's like, we don't know. The thing about this is like, we don't know. Like, yeah, I can't wait. It's going to happen next July. We just don't know. But so when it happens, it happens. Just, yeah, it's just the way it's going to be, I guess, you know? Yeah. Um, we'll see. Well, Josh, I think we covered everything. I think this is the best one we did out, out of the three. Uh, we covered your whole life. But I want to talk about the Bane documentary, which I learned so much about the band. We toured with them a couple of years ago. I know them as people, but I learned so much from the doc. I saw you in the doc. It's an incredible doc. It's it's uh, inspiring. It's it's uh, it's anxiety ridden. It's emotional, and I just learned so much about the band. I know they're a big part of your life, and um, 
Have you finally watched it yet? Because last time we talked, you, you weren't ready to watch it yet. No, I still haven't watched it. Wow, um, fuck. Yeah, like that first day whenever the Bane documentary came out, I feel like everything on Instagram and Twitter is like, look at this, look at this. Look at this. <laughs> and, people, and people being like so bummed. And I, and I even, emotional, uh, man. I was with Martine from Terror and he was just like, yeah, man. He's like, it's actually pretty heavy. And he's like, you know, it, it makes you realize like, you know, the, what you got that all this, but also like this shit's going to end. Know, you know what dude. I mean? The things that you love are going to end. And so, um, fuck, I just haven't like, it's not, it's not that I haven't gotten around or had the time to watch it. I just haven't watched it because I'm just kind of like, I don't want to watch that right now. You want to feel those kind of you emotions know, like or see I'm, that, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to watch something. I think you should leave on Netflix or something. Mm. You know, you but, seen the undoing? No. Oh, the new Nicole Kidman one. It just came out. It's uh, four episodes on. Uh, I'll show. I'll tell you after. Okay. It's, it's fucking amazing. Wait, Josh, gonna tell I got. I got a piss too. So let's just. Do we just pause? Um, you want to pause? Hey guys, we're back. I forgot to say something. I just turned fifty, and at fifty years old, you have to get a colonoscopy. <laughs> so I just had the thing on the phone with the doctor and went through the whole thing. A couple of my friends just had. I'm not going to say their names. I'm super nervous about doing it. They knock you out with the Michael Jackson drug. That's what the doctors called it on the phone. It probably be the first. It's going to be the first drugs I ever do. We'll worry about that. But rewind a little bit me and josh decided we, i said hey let's go get um what are they called uh what do we get uh colony where they blow your butt with some water what is what no, i get? want you to figure out the word uh, watching out. you try to figure all out right, the so word. Me, me and josh did the thing where they put a hose in your butt and they spray all the poop out and you see it in a glass fish tank next to your fucking head and you see all the food you've been eating not it's not a colonoscopy because that's what i'm getting ah oh, fuck man they suck it out your butt. Dude, what is it, Josh? We went to it. Obviously, me and Josh are in different rooms, but they put a tube up your butt. <gasps> it's uh, called a colonic. Colonic, colonic. We got colonics together, bro. We were in separate rooms. Mine was like all fucking wheatgrass coming out. I don't know what the fuck Josh had coming out of his shit, maybe. Dude, who, the who weirdest knows? part was whenever the tube went up my ass, the lady looked at me <laughs> and she went, that went in easy. <laughs> fuck, is that a compliment or not? So we're still getting texts from this. So we're still getting texts from this. But I'm going to say this in my podcast. I just got a text. Sending out our 2020 holiday special to you first. Colon hydrotherapy for two. Book early. I guess that's us. That's insane that like. It's a date thing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a date. I'm, not, I'm never doing that. So real quick, I was at some outdoor vegan festival walking around with my wife and a couple of friends. Some girl comes up to me and from my wife goes, hey, are you Toby? I'm like, yeah. She goes, oh, my friend gave you a colonic. <laughs> And I was like, it was like a total pretty girl. My wife's oh like, oh my God. And it's like, yo, you're not supposed to, how do you know I got a clonic there? It was so dude, awkward, what happened dude. to doctor-patient confidentiality? I don't know, but they blew my spot. And I was like, oh, hey. like They hey. blew a lot more than your spot. Exactly. So we should get, we should go back. It's been like, what, two years? Yeah, I'll meet you there. <laughs> it was actually enjoyable. You see the stuff you eat and stuff comes out. and I just stopped eating since then. Um, so yeah, we got clonics together. That's pretty, anything else we do together? That was pretty fucking awesome. Um, uh, any other weird shit? One time he went to Six Flags and Toby got so scared that he faked a stomach ache and then bought a Superman hoodie. And then the only thing he would ride all day was the um, <laughs> teacups, maybe. No, not the teacups. What's the uh, the carousel? The yeah, the carousel with the horses. Oh, I had why did I buy that? I was so I was so cold. I had to buy the hoodie, right? Like, I'm so, you did one ride and then yeah, you were but, like, but I, I'm gonna keep. Oh, I'm, I'm just, I don't feel well. And I think I'm cold. Listen, I'm by this. $800 Spider-Man hoodie because I'm at a fucking theme park and they want to charge you a billion dollars for everything. Yo, in defense of myself, my wife, me and Isaac and my wife had a double date to Coney Island. We had to go ride on the 
the big uh, wheels over there. I hate rides my whole life. Me and Isaac went out there with my wife, and we both got sick the first ride, and we sat on a bench, and I went all the ghost rides. I suck at rides. I can do teacups barely, but yeah, Josh witnessed that. All right, Josh, we out of here. Peace, right, bye. Peace. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one.